Hey, this is Gary Butterfield. And this is Cole. And uh, rather than, you know, doing some kind of winkery about like, oh, what if we found an abandoned podcast studio? <laughs> or, you know, what if uh, somebody gave birth to a tiny coal that like sucked on my head and <laughs> saved, saved, saved me from, you know, the gigantic uh, Mecca Jesse Thorne or something like that. <laughs> we decided to eschew all that nonsense on uh, this uh, this centennial episode of Watch Out for Fireballs and just uh, just give you guys a special message. Yeah, we just wanted to say thank you so much. When we started this uh, about, what is it, three and a half, four and a half years ago now, something like that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, 100 seems pretty far away, but now here we are with lots of great games in the past and lots of great games coming up in the future, but it really is all made possible um, by you guys, you know, this isn't just us doing like the pledge drive thing or whatever, but honestly, like your support and your, uh, kind of, kind of joyful attention here, uh, has, has been a tremendously positive part of my life. And so that's, uh, we just want to take a time to acknowledge that. Yeah. It's, I literally don't know what I would do without it. Mm-hmm. So the, um, you know, you've, you've heard enough just fun in <laughs> to know that, uh, that, that these kind of rays of light are important to me. And, uh, so the, you know, Really, really appreciate it, and and thank you, thank you all, and thanks, you know, one point one times <laughs> things, like ten percent extra thanks to Allison Baker for making the trailer mm-hmm. for this episode, and uh, yeah, we're not gonna, and you'll never get to hear what it sounds like when we fight Mecha Jesse Thorne now, <laughs> so so sleep on that. Well, um, <laughs> it's kind of like that scene in Ben Hur, the chariot race, where everybody is just cheering at the action that happens off screen, or at the yeah. end of Grizzly Man. Like right now, we are just. Listening to the sketch they could have been and leaving you to imagine it. Yeah, so just use your imagination, which in some ways is the greatest podcast of all. <laughs> and uh, we'll just uh, go on to talk about this this super wonderful game. The last Metroid is in captivity. The galaxy is at peace. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a retro games podcast. Yes, and for our 100th episode, we are talking about Super Metroid, which is a platformer developed and published by Nintendo for the Super Nintendo in 1994. And one, you know, inarguably one of the greatest games of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorites, definitely somewhere in the top five, you know, hovers around there and kind of kind of goes back and forth. But this is such a goddamn delight. <laughs> and uh, so we wanted to pick something big. 
yeah. for episode 100. It's a special occasion, right? We have the uh, we, we we have the much vaunted break glass in case of emergency games. Yeah. Um, this is one of them, and I think about a year ago, I was like, "Hey, you want to do that?" And I've been yeah. looking forward to it ever since. Yeah, I, I put off replaying it, like I was <laughs> going to replay it just for funsies, and I was like, "No, I don't want to do that." And I and I kind of wish I had because it's only like, yeah, five hours long. Um, so Super Metroid, for those of you who don't know, just the basics. Uh, this is a game that is just a massive expansion um, on the first two Metroid games, the first one on the NES and the second one on the Game Boy. Mm-hmm. And this takes everything that is kind of special and interesting about those and perfects and expands it. Yeah, uh, makes everything just uh, bigger while still letting you explore these areas that uh, that you possibly have some experience with uh, you know, prior to this. Uh, it's kind of funny because in that intro where I say what kind of game this is, on the site, this is probably going to be tagged as a Metroidvania. It feels ridiculous to call this a Metroidvania yeah. game. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's just if, we, you know, for episode 200, if you Symphony of the Night, it'll also seem, it'll seem equally ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> don't hold us doing that uh, at episode 200. Yeah. I want to play it. Not to. I want to play it sooner than that, Gary. I really like yeah. that game. Yeah. We'll do it for our special 100, 113 episode. <laughs> yep spectacular yeah but uh this is a foundational text right yeah yeah and you're uh, teaching a course on video games this is you know this would be mandatory like if there's literally mm-hmm. like a you know you you send us a, a space capsule to aliens <laughs> you know space capsule that's what those things are called yeah capsule yeah space. well it's you like a, a, like a time capsule i guess is what i mean uh-huh. Um, or a space capsule, like the thing with the yeah. golden record. Yeah, yeah, the, the the pale blue dot. Yeah. yeah, if you were just teaching, you know, aliens about video games, this would be one of the games that were in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, oh. a lot of cool stuff was done here. Uh, if not for the first time, um, then you know, uh, kind of kind of uh, brought to its platonic ideal stuff that we talk about a lot. Um, yep. And you know, like when other games do it, uh, you know. So you're playing as Samus Aran uh, as she explores the caves of Zebes, and uh, this is uh, you know a Metroidvania game. Uh, what's the an itchy an itchivania or whatever it is the uh, that that Kickstarter for uh, Blood something? Oh uh, yeah, Blood Bloodstained. Yeah, Bloodstained. Yeah, they, he, yeah. He, he's trying to coin a new word for that, which I will welcome. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Poor, poor Parrish, Oof. poor Jeremy Parrish, winning <laughs> the term Metroidvania and and being shunted out. Just having that. Ooh. He got he got to invent a word though, which yeah. is pretty cool. Like even Wait, if did he? If, yeah. Huh. I didn't realize that was him. Yeah, that's Parrish. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, kind of the defining characteristic of that is this kind of exploration um, based uh, plat- platformer uh, kind of thing where you are uh, gathering equipment and uh, kind of expanding your abilities as you backtrack through old areas, um, able to do more. Right. Yeah. And the, the kind of the, the sweet spot, the reason why this works, whereas backtracking is generally uh, something that feels shitty in games. Um, it does two things. Uh, one the so it increases your sense of mastery you get to struggle against the guy and then come back when you're more powerful fuck him up two when you find these keys they also are utility items mm-hmm. like there are no items in this game that are just a you know this just opens a door mm-hmm. um so you're expanding your verb set at the same time you're expanding the area that you explore and you get this really awesome parallel of like increasing sense of mastery and increasing sense of domain mm-hmm that you have that just feels like amazing and it's a really tricky curve to get and this game does it better than any other game um i i will i would argue Mm -hmm. definitely i mean the 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 thing that sticks out for me here is just kind of leveraging familiarity 
mm-hmm. I suppose, as you go through these areas and, and you see things that are impassable and maybe uh, uh, give a shot, take a crack at uh, at trying to, uh, you know, surmount these obstacles and you find yourself unable to, um, the sense of, you know, familiarity and kind of knowledge collapsing space as you go back through um, is, is immensely rewarding. Um, yes. And uh, this has just the right amount of kind of like circling back uh, to these areas you've been been before while still kind of widening your circle as you go along. Yeah. Um, one of the really neat things about this uh, is so if, if you're listening to that and you're realizing this game was put out by Nintendo, you might be thinking like, oh, that's not what Nintendo does. Nintendo is <laughs> the company that when I die three times on a Mario game, they make me invincible for it. <laughs> and or create a shadow version to do the level for me. <laughs> like Nintendo wants you to win. Yeah. But this is this weird, you know, subset of Nintendo that somehow likes this idea of like player challenge mm-hmm. and uh, indirect storytelling and tutorializing. Yeah. Um, so like this game is full of like weird, quiet environmental storytelling and tutorializing without any text. Mm-hmm. Um, the game almost never just says like, this is what happened here, or this is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. It's always through doing, you know, like that whole, like, don't tell show, don't mm-hmm. show do, you mm-hmm. know, for games. And this game is, is so good at that. Yeah. You know, you're left to infer it and it's not as, you know, granular, uh, you know, you, you there, there isn't this large sprawling myth of the Chizo or whatever, but even just in looking at the, uh, in looking at the ways that these areas kind of connect to each other and, uh, some of the props and things, you get a sense for kind of what the ecology is here and what it might've been used for. Um, yeah. 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 And it, and it goes to that, you know, it's not the myths of the, the Chizo. We've done two Metroid games that are lousy with story. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it's not. Like it is, I think it is true that Nintendo is bad at writing stories, but I also think it's true that you just can't do this kind of storytelling with a story that complex. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is one of the the big reasons not to fucking do that. Yeah, <laughs> because this is one of the coolest things about this game, and you just throw it out the window when you are just pile up mm-hmm. scanner logs on top of scanner logs. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and it's just it's such a bummer. Like I'm not gonna try not to spend yep. too much of this episode <laughs> bashing Metroid Fusion or Metroid Prime, mm-hmm. but playing this again, like really highlighted mm-hmm. what's wrong with those games and what's right with this one. Yeah, this is the first time that I've played it since I played Metroid Prime, and I totally see what people are saying that that is a 3D version of that. Um, you know, just because there are certain beats and stuff that are that are represented, you know, in Prime that were kind of laid out here first, right? But um, but yeah, I will try to avoid that as well because that is still a very controversial uh, opinion on our part. But this, I mean, it's a very controversial opinion. But all this did replaying this was cement it for me. Yep. Like it didn't it didn't make me reconsider it at all. Like mm-hmm. there are some things that they do in in Metroid Prime that are three D versions of this, but they feel like you know, homage at best. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't, it doesn't feel the same, you know? And part of that is like just constantly reading, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, You know, this tells that story through, through kind of atmosphere Mm -hmm. um, better. The hand is delightfully invisible. And if you take a moment and kind of like pay attention to what you're doing, you can kind of bring that to the foreground and, you know, look at those, you know, the, the, the ways in which it is, you know, teaching you how to use this item by trapping you in the room that you got, that, that you know that you got it and then forcing you to find a way to use the item that you just got to get out it does it every single time yeah like almost every item is is past the point of no return where you have to use the item to get back and it's so clever and good mm-hmm. it's so good <laughs> yeah um, I, and you know like that that could be considered like a like a one note thing like they repeat it but it is such a wonderful loop you know yeah. that, that it stays entertaining and novel throughout the entire you know five hour run of the game 
And I and, and I would so much rather do that and learn how to do it by playing rather than read an audio log that explains what the Chozo used the grappling hook for. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't give a shit. Like, just <laughs> just let me, you know, let me try it. Like, let me play because it is a game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. it's, it's not all just, like, kinesthetics. Um, let's talk about the atmosphere a little bit. Yeah, the presentation. Holy shit, the music. Or yeah. sometimes, quote-unquote, music. Like, the audio track, they're not afraid to just pull the composition back and show you this might just be the ambient sound of this of this area yeah you know and let these caves and the machinery or or whatever create the music for you like i love ambient music and ambient soundscape kind of stuff and the fact like the the, the stuff they were able to reproduce on that 16-bit sound card or whatever it is uh is kind of astonishing a lot yeah Yeah. and, and like i i i usually don't like ambient music but i like it here because it's so novel like 16-bit soundtracks aren't used for this. They're shredded. You know, you, you know, you, yeah, exactly. You'd expect, like, some some kind of bouncy, you know, bouncy, catchy tunes. And they're there. They're there. Yeah, they, they are there, but they're just not constant. Like, it knows how to use quiet. It knows how to use the absence of, of things, mm-hmm. you, know, del- you know, perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of plays into, you know, the visual design, the fact that every uh, neighborhood, I'm going to keep calling them neighborhoods because I don't know, like zone feels a little bit different. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, they, 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 they all kind of have their own like biome and ecology around them and they bleed into each other um, and kind of like walking through it. You have a definite like sense of place yep. based on the color palette and the, you know, the enemies that you're seeing. Um, yeah. Yeah, the sense of place is, is amazing. And it just it's similar to how that, like, it, it's not afraid to waste resources. Not waste. Use resources <laughs> to things that seemingly have no effect. Like, there are so many creatures in this game that are nonviolent. Mm-hmm. You know, and it just it makes it feel like a, like, not like a video game level, mm-hmm. um, which, is, which is really cool. Um, one of the other things that makes it feel not like a video game level is the fact that you have this map, um, and it auto-maps for you, which is great, and every Metroid previous to this should have had that. <laughs> but the... Um, the fact that the map's unreliable because there are so many secrets that are outside the map. And uh, when you start, first start finding those, and the game just really cleverly telegraphs them, mm-hmm. the um, it's just like, oh, shit, like, this this thing is full. Like, the first time you find a suspicious-looking pipe and bomb it and it opens up, mm-hmm. every single pipe from that point on is now, like, a point of interest. Yeah, it's uh, it's the white block. Yeah, exactly. It keeps you so engaged. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, you know, I'm in this room. This, like, I got a power up. And it does that just enough to make it satisfying. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I got a power up here. Wait a minute. What's that? Oh, shit. <laughs> like, there's just two missile tanks here. Yeah. Great. And they never <laughs> and then, make it. And there's that one place where there's a third one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so good. And, like, you, it's never stuff you need. Like, it's never, like, taking, because that would be bullshit if they took, you know, critical, you know, path critical things mm-hmm. and hid them that way. It's always just things that are going to make you more powerful, mm-hmm. um, you know, contributing to that sense of mastery, which contributes to that sense of dominion as you have more dominion over the places you're exploring to find these power-ups. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, it's really, really elegant. Yeah. I mean, the way that it uses every part of the map and, you know, kind of just judiciously throws dead ends where I put an asterisk on the dead, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, just the, like the way that it keeps you looking. Um, yeah. is, uh, is, is something that, I don't know, it's kind of hard. Like even, even some of the best like follow-ups to this, I don't know that they, that, that they quite rise to that level of, of mystery, right? Like I think that like the closest heir apparent would be Symphony of the Night, probably. 
and even that offloads like some of this complexity onto stat based stuff. Yeah, I was, right? I was just where, about to say, where, whereas but, this, yeah. whereas this feels you know pure in a way, like you know definitely definitely chunkier in terms of in terms of the way that it hands you those abilities. But um, like those those extra large ratchets as you kind of like click through, um, you know, kind of makes it more satisfying to make kind of a couple of loops around this as opposed to constantly feeling. Yeah, the Symphony of the Night trades that in for RPG stuff. And then as a result of that, like, you know, triples or triples the game length mm -hmm. or so, um, which is a cool, it's a good trade. Like, uh -huh. and they, they, you know, they earn it. Like the areas are distinct enough and they do enough of this Metroid stuff, but it is a very different game for them being kind of bashed together. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they do actually play very differently. Yeah. Um, this game is super breakable. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to put a couple uh, speedruns in the show notes yeah. that are some of my favorites because this is a huge game for speedrunning. Um, and they're really, really fun to watch. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they're, they're doing stuff that a is secret because they kind of only show these techniques that are like fighting game techniques in the, mm -hmm. in the demo role. But this is one of those games where they can't like, you'll, you'll just see somebody walk in one side of the screen and then immediately drop down the other side of the screen because of some kind of crazy frame magic. Well, the, the thing is it's like those, it's half that which is appealing because it's fun to watch a game get broken. Mm -hmm. It's also half things that you, the player have access to. Yeah. Like watching them scale up a, a sheer wall using wall jumps, mm -hmm. like faster than you can move. Just jumping yeah. is really impressive. And mm -hmm. I could do that. Like that's just within <laughs> the game. It's just a, an element of mastery. Yeah. I'm so lucky. Like, I'm lucky if I get four wall jumps. <laughs> it's just kind of a neat, like I, this was the, this was the playthrough that I mastered it. Like oh. I could wall jump for days and I was really, really satisfied <laughs> um, to do it. But the, uh, the fact that it's like half things that are just mastery of the system and half things that kind of break the system mm -hmm. make them very, very fun to watch. Yeah. And it's like it's constantly evolving, too. Right. Yeah. Like there they're, they're are kind of always new runs. It's one of those weird records that just keeps getting shorter over time. Yeah. Like even as recently as like, what was it? It was it a summer day, a summer games done quick. Like a couple of years ago, they broke the record again. There was that uh, there was the one AGDQ where they did the four way race. Where the, each the race is really fun. Yeah, where like each person was doing something kind of different. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Very, very cool. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and some of the, you know, you're always going to see this on Games Done Quick mm -hmm. marathons, and it's always worth watching. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is, you know, part of the series, right? We've talked about, we've talked about other, uh, entries in this on the show. We talked about fusion, which, uh, was the, was the next one to come out. Um, uh, and prime came out that same year. Both of these were mm -hmm. in, uh, were, were in uh, 2002. This one kind of falls right between like Metroid two. Um, like it is a direct sequel, uh, to the events of that game. And then, uh, kind of dangling after this as Metroid other M. <laughs> yes, which I, I haven't played, but I've stayed away from based on like, it's like, hey, everything you hate about Metroid, like <laughs> that that's constantly in this game, you know, yeah. according to reviews. So I feel a little bit bad commenting on it. Yeah. Given that I haven't played it, but it's just everything I've read makes it sound like I, garbage. I played like the first two hours of it and okay. like the play is OK, accepting the stuff that we kind of don't like about fusion. I, th I think that it is closer to a fusion than a prime in, in, in a lot of regards, but like the trappings and aesthetic and what it does to Samus, even though, I don't, even though I don't really care about Samus as a character, I'm not going to be like, Hey, they ruined video games because of it. Um, but um, you know, they just leverage something that is not interesting and make it annoying. They, well, and also they ruined her in fusion. <laughs> like if, if you're going to say you ruined Samus, you ruined her mm -hmm. by giving her a AI kernel 
<laughs> and his like backstory thing. Well, like, well, in other M, that AI colonel is actually human. <laughs> oh, like, great! Yeah, it's Adam. Like Adam is her senpai who tells her when she can and cannot put on the various. Suit. It's 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 a great idea to take this really strong female character and give her a man who commands her <laughs> and tells her when and when she can and can't do things. Yep, uh, that's, and I make mean, her that's... game entirely about motherhood. That's yeah. a really progressive, bold move. Mm-hmm. You fucking idiots! <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's that's what people talk about when they talk about other M. <laughs> like, yeah, what we talk about when we talk about other M. By <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, did you so see the movie yet? Did you see Birdman? Uh no. Oh, okay. I know that Raymond Carver. Oh, okay. Story. That that, um, that 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 factors into it. I wasn't sure if you were talking about that or if you were talking about the recent no, use of it no, in popular I, I culture. I still have not seen uh, seen Birdman. Oh. I'd like to, but I missed the theater cycle. Oh. Well. Um, so this came out, and then there was a huge uh, golf. Mm-hmm. of metroid games it was like eight years there's not a nintendo 64 version um sakamoto one of the designers said he couldn't do it i didn't know how to use the controller and neither do we <laughs> and the, yeah exactly like i a a nintendo 64 metroid would be a nightmare yeah um i'm so glad I, they didn't do that i think that probably saves some face i don't know that they would be able to uh pull off a mario 64 no it would be like the cat it'd be like castlevania 64 yeah it'd be like the equivalent of that yeah, which has um, its defenders. Like, there's a back and forth in the uh, in the uh, suggested game for Abject Suffering, where that comes up as a possible redemption and as a, as and as irredeemable garbage. <laughs> I know that if we play the first one, I know that it begins with a cutscene of a bunch of skeletons pulling up on a motorcycle. Yep, on motorcycles. <laughs> so at least we should play that part and just talk about that for an episode. Yep. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but, um, you know, this kind of, uh, you know, you get a sense that this wasn't, uh, that, that the series isn't a huge priority for Nintendo, uh, not least of which because even when the series was at its height, uh, Metroid just sells better in America than in Japan. Yeah. And, you know, and that kind of, for that probably explains why they handed it to Retro, you know, some, some, some go boys from Texas, you know, yeah. taking care of that. Like, this is kind of a, like, you know, you said earlier, this is a departure for them. Yeah. Yeah. This is... This is the weird if you look at the whole series, like this is the this is the weird one out. Um, because it has been in the hands of America for longer. You know, it feels like. Um th- this is the odd man out in the series. Like, and I, I you know, I'd argue in terms of quality, I get in controversial opinion, but also in terms of, of presentation and everything. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So let's uh, let's let's get going. Let's yeah. uh, let's get into it. Uh let's talk about the setup. Yes. So the last Metroid is in captive. I'll just cut that in probably at the beginning of the episode. So the game is set up in a cutscene uh, at the beginning of the game with a little sit with a little uh, voice. I don't I think it's a computer lady. It's not supposed to be Samus, uh, but we get kind of Samus's monologue um, yes. uh, with some exposition uh, describing the events of the previous games, uh, you know, where she had gone to ZB's um, and especially at Metroid 2, which this is a direct follow up to uh, where she obliterated the Metroid home planet of SR 388, where we would eventually return to in, uh, in fusion. Uh, but here she has destroyed the whole species except for one infant Metroid that imprints on her like a little baby bird. Yes, it is super cute. Yep. <laughs> little it little like chirp. chitters and chirps and like, it's adorable. Yep. 
and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she handed it over to be dissected. Yep. Um, Here, turn this turn this into gasoline, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like find out what makes this work. Um, yeah. yeah. Will it be okay? It won't not be okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but these guys at the Sari Station, right, to, to research. But uh, on her on her way away from that place, uh, she gets a distress call, and something is going wrong. It is a crisis that will begin this game. One of the things I noticed uh, in playing this after we played the two Metro games we played is there's no explanation for Samus losing her weapons and stuff. Mm-hmm. End of two, and I like that because there, you know, everyone is like. You know, there's like, oh, you have to have this convoluted plot reason. Mm-hmm. Um, what if the plot reason is just she saved the day and she's just in her like casual wear suit? <laughs> yeah, like she just didn't have the stuff with her. She's like, I don't need this. I don't need to have a, a gun arm that shoots missiles when I'm just going to the store. You know, mm-hmm. well, like she was meeting with some researchers. <laughs> well, you see, she actually adapts alien technology into the fiber of the suit, which is which is an extension of her neural system, just like the way she uh, can modularly upgrade her DNA with alien technologies. No, like she can just pick up things. I mean, I'm sure I know it alters her suit, but like she just slaws that stuff off because I'm going to ignore everything that happens after this game. There's there's no canon after this game. Like I'm going to go back in time and diverge realities to where like Gary, all that I'm doing is heading off follow up. I agree with you. No, I know. No, it's fine. it is it is a uh, bring it. Bring it, hurts. God, Gary, I have to read that. <laughs> like, um, I'm just kidding. But the, yeah, so, so you go back to, to Series Station for one of the most memorable uh, 16-bit intros of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is like pure cinematic. Like it's teaching you navigation and stuff, uh, getting you reacquainted with the way the elevators and things work. But you're just in this moody-ass space station uh, descending into the depths uh, to a fantastic set piece where uh, this control room has a busted tank inside of it and uh, some some dead scientists. Yeah, the scientists who you see from the title screen. Mm-hmm. Like you or that you, you see the Metroid in the title screen, you saw the scientists examining it in the cutscene. Now all those people are dead. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know something's happened. You have no choice but to uh, to press forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, you enter a room where it's silent except for the chittering of this Metroid mm-hmm. who's on the floor and you walk forward, you can't pick it up. And the game gives you like like this perfect amount of time, <laughs> like this little tension building beat before Ridley shows up, who is like the closest thing to a Boba Fett the series has. Yeah, Ridley. The, uh, the so you've got Ridley Scott. You've got the, you've got the director of Blade Runner zooms in yep. in mode seven. Yeah. Uh, now he's a space Ridley dragon. Ridley Scott. <laughs> um, just zoom mode sevens his way in. Yep. And it, it's a boss fight. Yeah, it's a kind of. Kind of yeah, it's a boss fight that you can't win. I, I kind of read it more as a uh, like this acquainted me with shooting up and diagonal. Mm-hmm. You know, using the uh, shoulder buttons uh, to fire up at a standstill, which uh, is, again, uh, pretty good tutorializing if you figure out how to do that. Um, yeah, and they, there's a couple of this whole first area is about teaching you the changes mm-hmm. that they've made, because there's another area where they, they really go out of their way to teach you that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you can't really win. You can damage him enough yeah. to where he just takes off, so you can kind of win, but you don't, don't get anything for it. Um, and uh, he just grabs the Metroid and flies off, and in like an amazing subversion, every other Metroid game ends mm-hmm. with an escape the station. This one begins with one. Yep. So you've got to run away as there are cool mode seven tilting effects. There's some damage coming out of the out of the environment, teaching you to pay attention. It's that, not uh, damage, well, which is awesome. It just slows you down, but yep. it like it gives you the same the sound effect that's damage. Mm-hmm. And after fighting Ridley, you likely don't have a lot of health, so it is very 
you know, in generous. It's very tense. Yeah. Well, it feels very tense, though. Like, every time I thought I was getting hit mm-hmm. when I had, like, you know, 17 energy points left. Yeah. Or what have you. But it's just harmless steam. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's great. And, you know, there's enough time for you to make it safely. Like, it's not a very complicated level, but uh, it definitely is a little bit of a little bit of theater, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's, it's a playable. The whole, like, a lot of the beginning of this game is a playable cutscene. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, they could have just done the salt through text. I'm so glad they did. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I mean, also refreshingly, like after you, after you leave the station and it explodes behind you and everything, it just like the, the like the last text you see in the game, aside from the aside from the item pickup stuff, and I guess the things on your map or whatever, uh, is you know Planet ZBs telling you where you kind of went off to, right? Because yeah, we know who really lives there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's that's like the end of the exposition. Like yeah, in, in terms yeah, of but, like events, like you know, prior, like the like the prior stuff that's you know sets up what you're doing. Yeah, there's there's no there's no more need for it, and this game has that sense of restraint. And, um, and what's wonderful about it is like it doesn't give you a motivation, right? Like <laughs> you can read into it. I mean, it's there, but like yeah. you know, I, I guess every time I play through it, I am Samus going through trying to get this Metroid. Um, you know, out of the wrong hands, so it can't be used to again continue to fuck up the galaxy. But there's that whole, you know, kind of like, oh, I need to rec- rescue this harmless thing, kind of side yeah. side to it as well. Like you can, it, but it doesn't like prescribe that or hit you over the head with it. Yeah, yeah, it just you just feel it. Yeah, like you feel it, and it's it's those little those maternal instincts that the the series would attempt to cash in on later are just there automatically with the mm-hmm. cuteness of the Metroid and the chirping noises. That it happens like this game is is you could argue this game you know is like is kind of about this motherhood mm-hmm. thing but it just never says it yeah um you know and it's just, it's it's just really really good in that respect like yeah. you know i know what to do mm-hmm. you know and not because it's a video game i know what to do because of what i've done already mm-hmm. um you so you land on on zebes mm-hmm. or zebes i always said zebes oh. um but zebes or zebes um and uh you have your your little craft lands there it's gonna be kind of your safe zone Mm -hmm. and there's like super moody music and it's it's you know snow or ashes falling and lightning and it's just atmospheric as fuck yeah i guess it could like could it be like nuclear winter like i i read it as snow but like in the intervening time didn't they carpet bomb or nuke zebes to something like that and I don't know. Like it could be, <laughs> and that would explain um, some of the differences in geography. Yeah, possibly um, since then. But I also just thought, like maybe it's a volcano, or maybe mm-hmm. it's just weird alien stuff. Like it does kind of <laughs> look like snow, um, or weirdly rendered, you know, other weather. Mm-hmm. Um, could be any number of things. Yeah. It's important that you can't. Uh, when you get here, though, you can't move to your right. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is the game telling you, hey, you have to get to go in all directions. <laughs> yep. In this and, game. and that's the thing they did in Metroid One as well. Yeah, like the, but the morph was, balls over to the left. It was cool there too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, and yeah, you're kind of descending into this familiar territory, right? Like you are in Crateria, which yes. is the beginning area of the first uh, game. However, you kind of you know the, the 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 route that doesn't require items takes you through the like the the end boss chamber of the first game. You know, yes. you, like this is where you fought Mother Brain, which is which is awesome because if you know you know what that is because you saw it in the opening cutscene mm-hmm. you know if you played it it has this additional feeling to it because that's really challenging mm-hmm. in metroid 1 like that's a really hard part if you somehow didn't pay attention to the opening cutscene and just got here it would be really evocative yeah without being explicit like you've seen these kind of containment tanks before the containment tank that mother brain is in kind of recalls the one that the metroid was busted out of mm-hmm. here's a bigger one like it has this kind of like dread 
feeling. <laughs> and that's what this game, that's what it's doing right now is building up this feeling of anticipation. Yeah. And even take it on its own. Like if you just think this is some kind of planet, all of a sudden you have signs of a lab, you have signs of yes. civilization and stuff. And it's like wrecked up, you know, and, you like something terrible happened here, but it is long ago and you're doing some kind of archeology span on this and no enemies, mm -hmm. which is nope. so good. No enemies, and, and, still no music. Still no music, still no enemies. And when you get to this next thing, you you know, you go down to the beginning of Metroid 1, you, you know there's a morph ball there. If you don't know, you have to go that way. Um, you get the morph ball, and this little security light activates <laughs> and follows you. And it's so, like, terrifying without being like, oh, it's like something knows I'm here, but they're not. They're just going to build that tension. Mm -hmm. Like nothing, you know, enemies don't pop out of the walls or anything. It's just there's a security light on you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Mm -hmm. You can't shoot it. You can't get away from it in time. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. Your presence is registered. Yes. <laughs> yep. And again, it's more theater. Like, you know, there, there, there's going to be like scripted stuff that happens after this. But uh, that is a big change. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. You pick so up, you, uh, you, you get some missiles from a Chizo statue. Yep. Um, which uh, kind of teaches you that it's been so long since I played the original Metroid, and this is probably going to get people uh, saying I cannot speak about this game because I can't remember. Were the Chizo statues in the first Metroid? I can't recall them in any in any actual capacity. I think so, okay. but it's been a very long time since I played Metroid One as well. Yeah. I mean, especially since Zero Mission exists, I don't feel like there's a lot of reason to go back to Metroid One. Yeah. Um, Zero Mission, which is like essentially Metroid 1 in the Fusion Engine mm -hmm. with like a bunch of ease of use considerations. Yeah. So the last time I played any version of Metroid 1, it was Zero Mission and that has Chozo statues. Yeah. Um, so I, I can't actually remember. Mm -hmm. But uh, the missiles um, kind of uh, trigger the spawning of these space pirates, right? These Mantis dudes. Um, and uh, the music picks up. So you're backtracking through these areas and they are now full of enemies. Yeah, we, we were talking about Jeremy Parrish earlier. He does these Anatomy of Games things, and I, I recommend going to anatomyofgames.com <laughs> and reading a little bit of... I haven't finished it because it's really exhaustive, and he put it together as a book, but he did this like pretretty much scene-by-scene -scene breakdown of Super Metroid. Mm -hmm. And the thing he pointed out to me that I didn't really uh, notice um, until... And we were just talking about it, is that you're getting two steps on your upgrade path before you even fight an enemy, Yeah, um, which is really significant. Yeah. Like it's one, it's ballsy, you know, because the, the, those upgrades serve as keys and weapons, you know, so giving you very little, you know, not letting you weaponize them initially, but it just, it's taking that feeling of dread and just like, you know, there's one security camera, there's two security cameras. Now you've got missiles. Nothing is happening. Why won't something <laughs> fucking happen? Give me something to shoot. It's uh, it's, it's like amnesia. Yeah. 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 It's. <laughs> It is. It's a lot like that, actually. Like this game is scary and lonely, mm -hmm. um, which is cool, you know, for a 16-bit game. Yeah. But yeah, you, you're two upgrades deep, and nothing, nothing's happened. And now yeah. the pirates come out of nowhere, um, which is super cool. That is anatomy of games, uh, not anatomy of dames, which is the rest of the internet. Yes. Yeah. Just yeah. Stick stick with the uh, the, the parish authored <laughs> ones. Yeah. Um, you, you go back up the uh, the the shaft that you had you escaped through in uh in metroid one which is really satisfying mm -hmm. and now with the uh the morph ball you can continue on through uh criteria and get to the um like a map room mm -hmm. so again i was talking about the um having that map is really you know it shows you the scope of what you're gonna be exploring um and you can see doors and stuff that aren't led to on the map which is really really cool like there are secrets that are not mapped mm-hmm um, and then you get the bombs, but when you get the bombs, you fight your first mini boss. Yes, this is Torizo, 
Um, also, uh, you might recognize it as a fake Chizo statue. It's pretty pretty startling. Or a with fake that. chorizo. Yes, a fake chorizo. <laughs> yeah, it's vegan chorizo. It's a chorizo. Forizo. But uh, okay, every other consonant sound and then Izo, so we can be done with this hell. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, wow, pretty, so. Yeah. Um, so, uh, if anybody ever saw my notes uh, for this uh, for this episode, like in, the, in my notebook, they would think I was an idiot five year old child because nothing is named in the game. So I had vague descriptors, <laughs> and I had to go back to a guide and actually look up the names of some of these things. So if I don't say the actual name of the ostrich creatures or whatever, uh, at, you know, it's it's a strength of the game that it doesn't do like a little snatch cutscene and show you yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just this creepy thing that you've just just now previously, because mm-hmm. you've run into one of these statues before. The morph ball is not on a statue, it's just on a on a platform. Mm-hmm. And it was inert. So now that you're like, oh shit, like, you know, this thing came to life and is fighting me. Mm-hmm. And it, it it's telegraphing the kind of rhythm of boss fights in this game, which is not like on paper is something I think it works on paper. It's something I don't like very much Yeah. Um, where there is really no choice, but to take mandatory damage. Like it'd be very difficult to not take damage during these fights. I feel like, yeah, um, I think you probably, I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible. It'd just be very difficult. And the way they, they combat that are two things. Like one, um, giving you a lot of life. So this game, instead of giving you multiple lives, you have, you just, you can end the game with, you know, literally 24 times as much life as you started <laughs> in the game, you know, in the beginning, which would be like, you know, Link having six, you know, 72 hearts <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Um, but the, uh, the other thing that they do is every enemy more or less will shoot things you can destroy for health yeah. um, or missiles at you. So the boss fights are this like give and take of like doing my damage while I have missiles and then going into kind of dodge mode to destroy projectiles to get to resupply in the middle of the fight. Yeah. Um, and it kind of works. Like it's not my. I don't think it's the most elegant thing about this game. I don't. But it's not. It's not bad. Yeah, like the boss fights. Uh, you know, I can take or leave them. Honestly, like they're not my favorite thing. They're great in terms of presentation. I think. Oh yeah, like the like, like the design of the things you're fighting, and like sometimes the like the moods that they're evoking. They're they're successful. I just think from a play perspective, I just doesn't do it's, it. For yeah, me. I agree. It's not it's not the high point of this game. Like they found a system that worked, but it feels a little bit like a sloppy workaround. Mm-hmm. So like an ideal boss fight, which like you know again Dark Souls, Dark Souls, Dark Souls. Like you know like being able to fight it and let's like oh I cannot take damage because I've mastered this. Mm-hmm. Like there are patterns. That happen, but this, you know, they're you're not very maneuverable. Like you are not an agility hero. Is I mean, it's a defensive vocabulary thing, right? Yeah. Like Samus is pretty big on the screen. Like yeah, normally, that's something thinking. we 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 ding games for is having a sprite that is that that is so large that it's hard to maneuver around. Everything else is everything else is scaled appropriately for that. And I feel like these small boss rooms, like, you know, Mega Man boss fights kind of work because you're a tiny little dude fighting something that is similarly scaled. Here, I think it's hard to actually find a pattern of safe zones, especially in the more projectile heavy ones. I think so too. And again, like they've, I never felt like they were unfair. Mm -hmm. They're just not particularly inspired, but again, that's okay because that's not what the game is really about. Yeah. Um, this is great though. Like I (laughs) was kind of like the first time I played this, I was unsettled by the fact that, you know, there's no health bar, but you're actually seeing the, you know, the, 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 the ground that you're making against this by having parts fall off of him. Yeah. Which I can't, I mean, like that there are probably some NES games or whatever where bosses like enemies, I I assume that's like in a Gradius game or whatever. 
Yeah. Where they show deterioration on the things. But uh, the fact that this thing gets down to basically a skeleton and still keeps going is kind of unsettling. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very, you know, it's, it's very visually cool at the very least. And you get the bombs at this point, which is useful. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if you, if you use them to explore now that you have them, you can kind of go back to, through criteria um, and get an E-tank. Yeah. Um, you know, which this is the first one that this is just on the ground. Mm-hmm. All the rest of them are going to be hidden. This one's just hanging. <laughs> yep. You just, you just walk around. It's the land of each Hanks and honey. Bend, yep. <laughs> bend down, pick them right off the floor. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, those are good. Uh, just because mm-hmm. they automatically fill out. They're not an item. It just is a straight up upgrade, uh, for you. Um, heading out of Criteria and into, uh, into Brinstar, uh, there's this, uh, refrigerated hallway that leads to a, a, a room that has golden statues of these big enemies. And you can kind of see Ridley, uh, perched at the top and they all have these glowing eyes. Yeah. And they're with, um, so there's a similar statue that just had Ridley and Craid mm-hmm. in Metroid one. So you can recognize Craid from this, but there are two other people who you don't know who they are. Yeah. Um, who are on the statue, which is very cool. And again, that like Dark Souls, Dark Souls, the thing where they, they show, uh, you know, show you the bosses you're going to be facing, mm-hmm. you know, as kind of a rogues gallery in advance is really, really satisfying. Yeah. Um, but for now, we can head down to, uh, to Brinstar. Um, and this is kind of the first area that really has uh, its own distinct theme attached to it, music-wise. I know Criteria has music, but this feels like a real genre shift as you're going down into this kind of overgrown uh, portion of the map. These uh, these vine-covered caves, and it brings in this kind of like uh, like jungle beat, um, yeah, you know, side to it. The game's not no longer trying to be scary necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like it spent this this all of this time unnerving you, but now that you have these items, you're a little bit empowered, mm-hmm. and uh, and you can you know it allows you to feel feel that way yeah um there's a couple of different things here so plants are kind of the the theme of this zone um there is a, an area where they do a really neat thing with light mm-hmm. which i've seen in other games like i think i've seen in yoshi's island yeah um but where there are like floating light creatures that will hurt you but if you attack them they turn off the lights um and that goes to a missile recharge which is a real disappointment because mm-hmm. uh, that's not that great at this point and so, something real quick we, we glossed over it um or i glossed over it, it's my fault but the uh, earlier in the the hallway with the e-tank Mm-hmm. There are those enemies that are just those little, um, like, shells yeah. on the ground. This game, instead of giving you frequent ways to replenish your items, they frequently put enemy pods that are really easy for you to just attack and get your stuff back. Yeah. And at first that seemed like a bad idea to me because it's farming, but I was amazed at how quick I could go from zero to, to full. Yeah. Like, it, it's literally, you know, 45 seconds or a minute. Of doing it, and I and I could go from like death's door to being almost topped off. Yeah, it's uh, it's really well paced. I mean, just kind of if you look at the way that this is laid out, it's kind of connective tissue followed by these kind of big chambers that are like nodes on the map, and all those corridors and passageways and stuff have easy to defeat enemies inside of them, where you can kind of just naturally through attrition. Or what's the reverse of attrition? I don't yeah. know. Um, you know, re- like repl- replenish yourself as you go along. Well, there, um, there's the kind of ambient way that you replenish yourself, and then there are specific areas that are just meant for it. Yeah. Like here's here's a flower that that spawns five guys that die in one hit. Yeah. Every couple seconds. Yep. You know, and th- that's that's what those are there for. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not there to be a challenge at all. Yeah, they're just wonderfully paced game. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> like, uh, they're, like really, the only thing you have to farm for, I found, is uh, like the the super missiles and super bombs. Like those are the things that just kind of drop so rarely that I would need to make it like a like a point to run an errand to get them. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't have that experience. I, I had to go farm up for health after bosses. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, if I, especially um, later, but I also like I've never 100% of this game. Um, I beat it with uh, I think like 13 rows of tanks or whatever, like uh, mm-hmm. or one one full row and then three extra on the next row of tanks. So I didn't have tons of energy, um, and so the the Ridley fight was a real close call for me, mm. and uh, and I had to go farm up. Yeah, a bit. Yeah, but um, heading into like Brinstar, it's going to be hard to like give any kind of like real progression through this. Uh, oftentimes, we're kind of just going to be hitting the uh, like the, the the high points. The, yeah, and we're, we're going to talk about that and then and stuff. Good. And the power ups and yes. stuff. We're going to talk about the high points and then how you use the tools it gives you and boss fights mostly. But it's going to be a little bit like a bonfire's edge head episode. Yeah, which is appropriate. Mm-hmm. Which Gary, you'll notice I put the uh, the item names in bold. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, so we can bounce from item to item. Yes, we can. Um, if we did, so the the kind of the big uh, thing in uh, in Brinstar that we're looking for is this huge chamber. This is big vertical chamber, full of spores and plants and the like mm-hmm. um, that you kind of you know work your way through, and that's kind of the centerpiece of this. God, I, I like fungus is so creepy. Yeah, like we've talked about it. How how the the most scary thing to you is a sunflower. Yeah, <laughs> and all of that, but like the idea of a room that that's just completely covered in lichen, like this yeah. is just very upsetting yeah. to me. Don't touch anything. Yep. Don't breathe. Even. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> luckily you have that uh, the mask. Yeah. Um. Either you can't put in like the Justin Bailey suit and just have her like bikini dip through fucking Spore Town. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. So, so you you Justin Bailey it, and then uh you know the the end cut scene is like oh the the, the world is saved et cetera et cetera, and then thirty years later, yeah, you've got a black mold infest- infestation in your lungs. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Hopefully you didn't have any actual kids. Just from all that slip sliding and Will Wright's massive <laughs> disappointment. The um, so so you continue through here and eventually you get to the next mini boss, mm-hmm. which is the spore spawn. Um, I love this music. Mm-hmm. This like lilting, nauseating waltz mm-hmm. that it does um, is yeah. really really appropriate, and the way it moves to the music, yeah, so is so uh, good, so like otherworldly, right? Yeah. Ah man, just like the like the design of this thing, how it's completely impenetrable and is filling the room with these spores that'll damage you. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, this kind of introduces another rhythm, uh, you know, whereas with uh, with, with uh, Zerizo, uh, before you could pretty much do damage at any time, um, a lot of bosses uh, from this one onward really control when they're vulnerable. So you're kind of waiting out a time when you, when you can get into a position and switch to an item that will damage them. Yeah, this guy just... And then it becomes this kind of managing... Because we didn't talk about this, but the actual... The mechanics you use to use your switch to your other items are not yeah, super elegant. And, yeah. yeah, so you go to use select to kind of cycle through them. Um, I think there's another control setup um, that's available, but mm-hmm. it just helps with missiles. You can toggle missiles on and off, but it doesn't yeah. help with super missiles or super bombs. Um, and if you didn't set that up from the beginning, I think you're stuck that way. I could yeah. be wrong about that before somebody flips out, <laughs> but yeah. uh, that's that, that's what I think. And like, there's a way you can make it easier. Like if you're trying to switch from your missile to your beam, whatever you're equipped, you can press the Y button and uh, just kind mm-hmm. of like get back to the beam. Like that's that that is a nice little ease of use consideration. But uh, a, a lot of times, you know, just because I am not very good at games, um, cycling through to the you, know, you, you can you can overshoot when you're yeah. trying to uh, get yourself in position. And you have this limited window mm-hmm. to do so. And you you don't have at this point you don't have enough missiles to just shoot the things that don't require missiles mm-hmm. with them. So you have to go back and forth between your beam and your missile. It's not super elegant. So again, kind of continuing the unperfect boss fights, but really cool presentation. Mm-hmm. 
uh, this guy. After you punch him enough times in his his eye <laughs> eye mouth thing, uh, after he opens up, he kind of wilts and dies. Yeah, and the whole room dies too. Yeah, it's I, super cool. I kind of wish that the area would kind of change color too, change aspect a little neat. bit, just yeah. because it, it would make sense for this to be kind of the source of that. Yeah, but, the, the, um, the infection of the the area. Womp. Um, oh, but well. you, you kind of continue along. The next beam thing you get is the charge beam. Yeah, which lets you Mega um, Man your, your your superpower buster. Hit my dad. Yeah. Yeah, and everything other than doors that requires uh, missiles, you can use this. So you can use this on bosses as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I didn't realize, and this was just the you know, this is probably the sixth time I played this game, mm-hmm. um, and I still learn things. Um, <laughs> is that once you have all the the uh, beam upgrades, your charge shot is a lot more powerful than missiles, and even more powerful than super missiles. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, some of the tougher bosses, that was what unlocked it for me. It's like, oh, I don't need to be using missiles on these guys. Yeah. Like the charge shot is significantly more powerful. Yeah. Um, at this point it's not, but as you just kind of pile upgrades onto it. Yeah. Also kind of cool. If you jump while you're charged and you do a somersault, you can do a little bit of damage to a dude. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. This game is full of like little mechanics like that, mm-hmm. um, that are really, really cool that you don't need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, uh, the charge beam, like the different, uh, uh, things you can get with it, like the charge beam that pairs with other beams, yeah, to give you little protective shields mm-hmm. and stuff. Did you like none of those are useful, right? Like it's not just me. Not that I've not that I've seen. <laughs> like, like you, you know what I'm talking about, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Like if you if you take your you know your wave beam and you you charge your charge beam and then let it go, mm-hmm. um, you can create like this like little wavy shield around yourself, mm-hmm. and and they all do different things. You can make ice crystals fly around yourself. You also have the weird way that you can recharge your energy. Oh yeah, with um, a limit break. Yeah, like you can do like, a, and it's it's hidden. Like it doesn't. It probably tells you how to do it in the manual. Nothing in the game teaches you how to do it, mm-hmm. and it's so niche. Like it's such a non-useful thing, but it's just cool that you can do it. Yeah, I think that's another one of those things that was kind of showed off in the uh, in the demo reel at the mm-hmm. front. Um, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that that just acts as kind of like this weird little reference. It doesn't show you any inputs that lead to those, but it shows you that they're possible. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's it's those little touches, those little non-essential things just make this you know they're they're really cool mm-hmm. and you know sometimes that's to the detriment when it tries to uh well like when there when there are um mechanics that are not essential but uh occasionally they peep in and uh kind of confound you like with uh the noob bridge oh yeah yeah, yeah because you could be forgiven for not really knowing that you had a run button that wasn't in either of the games before this Yes, and if you didn't actually look at the the controller, the manual, or the control setup, so there's a bridge that crumbles, and you and this gets me every time because I know <laughs> there's an item that makes me super speed. Me too. And I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to come back with that, mm-hmm. but nope. Like <laughs> no. you just need to run. Yeah, just your basic run, which you know it's kind of neat. Like I, I like that it's there to help you move just a little bit faster. But um, but yeah, it gets me every time too. And uh, yeah, you know, eventually it gets to the point where there are no other kind of diverticula to. To, to explore and you're just kind of faced with this and i reference in my head trying to think okay when do i get that and does it make sense to come back here yeah it's, well, it's not that there's nowhere else to go it's that you get trapped here yeah like there's there's a one-way door mm-hmm. that, that you get through here um but after you so the trick is to run mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. yeah and uh this kind of leads you into uh lower brinstar which does something that i love like the the lines between the areas are not like cut and dry. It's not like you just go through a door and you're, you know, headed from jungle land to lava land. Like they kind of creep. There are these kind of shades of gray in between them. And so this is like a red rocked, um, you know, uh, version of Brinstar that is, you know, right over top of Norfair. Yeah. 
Yeah, very cool. Um, and you're introduced to water here, and you move like you know you move slowly anyway. <laughs> you move like, like you're in quicksand in water. <laughs> yeah, you move you move really really slowly in water. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there's these kind of grabber monsters that are foreshadowing they're going to be more significant a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of what you're what you're introduced to here on your yeah. way to Norfair. Yeah, but this uh, but this water is here to mess with your ability to platform and uh, keeps you from being able to jump uh, over things that you otherwise you know should be able to jump over. Yep. Um, until you get these next upgrades. It's yeah. telegraphing the need before it actually gives you the solution. Yeah. These next upgrades in uh, Norfair, uh, mm-hmm. which uh, kind of rests behind this this long, long chute that you cannot climb back up uh, you know, after you fall down it, which uh, that's kind of spooky Like when you think about it, just that you are trapped in this area, and it says, okay, you're going to have to figure out how to get back out of here. Yep. Yep. And, and, and just, to, you know, if you thoroughly explore it, there will be a way to do it, but you, you know, you're stuck here. It's just a, a really cool way of gating. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have to do this next. You're, you're going to want to, mm-hmm. you know, but you have to before I let you go to other areas in the game. Yeah, and it's a little uh, bit of that inverse, right? Like it can be frustrating when you mm-hmm. are put up against a challenge that you don't know if you're able to kind of surpass it yet, but you know what what's back there, right? So this isn't keeping you from before. It's kind of setting you up with an objective. Right, figure yeah. out the thing. You know, go, just go forward and explore until you either hit the limit in front of you or find the thing that can help you get back the way you came. It uh, it would be frustrating if the game was more challenging. Mm-hmm. I think because the game is I, kind I, of it's like mildly challenging, I, but I never got to the point where. Sorry, you, you seem very eager. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just I, I don't want to be misunderstood. <laughs> I don't want you to think that I'm saying that this game like does that uh, in other games. Like in an adventure yeah. game where, you know, like, oh, Guybrush, do I, do I have the thing in my in my inventory that I need to get past this? Well, there's no way for me to know if I can solve it with yeah. the thing. And, you know, like, I, I can't tell if I just don't have the key or if I'm not looking for the, or if I'm not finding the hole. Well, for I was going to say that there's no point in this game where it's like, this is hard. I want to go explore somewhere else. Yeah. So, like, it's fine for it to trap me in this area because it's never like, I don't want to fuck around in New Londo Ruins. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to Undead Berg instead. Mm-hmm. Like, you never you never feel like that. Or I never felt like that in the game. Yeah. But, yeah, both both things are true. Like, it, it's just it, it's successful on both those levels where you just don't get that frustration. Yeah. So it allows it to do this kind of thing that would, is a classical design no-no and turn <laughs> it into a yes-yes. Yeah. Um, this game is full of design yes-yeses. <laughs> um, yeah. So as you get into Norfair, there's a nod to uh, realistic physics. If there's a room with lava uh, and you don't have the various suit, then you will take damage from it. Convection. Yeah, lava's hot. It's not just end of Resident Evil Five. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not just convection. It's not just for expensive ovens anymore. Yep. Um, yeah. So uh, that that is a way for it to uh, to provide another kind of kind of barrier for you as you go along. And there's a neat little side path where you get the high jump boots. Mm-hmm. Which du- are very satisfying and optional. Yep. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> like the the double jump is such a hallmark of this kind of game that I mm-hmm. always forget that there is no double jump. Like the space jump only kind of half counts. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a weird infinite jump if you just know. It's closer to the Mario Cape. Yeah. Than anything. Um, they do a high jump instead. Um, because it like I like, I'd be curious. I'm not saying this game is the first one. I'm not pausing this at all. But I wonder what the first game is with a double jump. Because um, like that concept is interesting. Like that is a you know somebody had to think of that. Mm-hmm. Like what if once jumping you jump? Like it, it's like it's like what if when you stood up you could stand up again? Like it, it seems really counterintuitive. <laughs> yeah, I already jumped. Can't jump again. <laughs> yeah, what's there? Air. I'm sure yeah. it was. I'm sure it was in some kind of uh, some kind of like anime. Uh, yeah. yeah, before, but. Um, Huh. 
I'm but seeing anyway. some game called Dragon Buster as oh, okay. the as as the one, but I cannot. That was in uh, the year 1985. Okay, so that's significantly before this. Yeah. Um, the uh, the this high jump boot uh, chamber is you know you fall down a shaft to get find them so you have to use the high jump boots to get out which it's not like you know you have to learn to master them it's just a jump you know how to do that yeah but it's kind of just you know that's what they're going to do is make it so once you get in you have to get the item to get out one of the cool things about the uh, about the high jump boots is sometimes it's best to unequip them yeah and there's an event you know they're, they're like there's a menu for doing that like you can pick which ones are going to be active on you but there are some jumps where the ceiling is just way too low yeah and it's easier to, to do the... Yeah, it's really, it's really neat. You don't have to. Mm-hmm. You could probably make it work. Mm-hmm. You can never visit that inventory screen if you don't want to, but the fact that you can is really neat. Yeah. Um, you can actually, now that you have the high jump, um, I don't know if it's actually dependent. I think it is. Well, nothing is dependent because you can bomb <laughs> jump. Yep. So, like, if you're really good, you can do this, like, bomb jumping thing, which is, I find, very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can go back and get the spacer beam, yeah. which is, uh, one, it sounds stupid. It's a stupid <laughs> name. It's a space um, laser, it, Gary. Yeah, a space laser. A spacer. What's to be stupid? Um, it's a, it's a speedo laser. <laughs> a, a speedo laser. The um, but it, it's a it's a spread shot. But every other every upgrade you get to your gun just does raw damage increase as well. Mm-hmm. And it never telegraphs this, but it's true. Right. So it's not just an aesthetic effect or a uh, area effect. Yeah, and you can use that. It makes it easier to hit certain enemies. Um, and also, if you're trying to clear, I, I, I like the progression of just items that make it easier to clear blocks and stuff too. Yeah, you know, just like oh, I don't have to shoot every block now. I can just shoot these swaths, which uh, uh, gets really cool with this next little thing where you have to shoot a, a crack in a floor. Yeah, you know, which is lo- very cool. Yeah, yeah, it just looks like it's uh, it it is you know world detail, but it actually is telegraphing a way for you to go. Yeah, which it doesn't always do that. Like, not mm-hmm. all cracks are secret passages, and not all <laughs> secret passages have cracks, but this one is actually essential. Yes. Because but, it's on the way to the next boss, and you have to do this. Yes. Well, Craid, who uh, has grown 30 times his size. Because from... you, you, you fight, before you fight him, you fight a mini Craid. Yes, you do. You fight a little tiny Craid, uh, <laughs> which I think is called the Mock Craid, um, which I like a lot. And that's how big he was in, in Metroid 1. Mm-hmm. Um, also, on your way to him, you find another uh, bounty hunter. Like another space soldier on the ground oh, who's yeah. coated with these little, uh, you know, I don't know, trilobites mm-hmm. all over him. I, I, I took those to be like the uh, like the baby versions of those of uh, the fleas, like the mm. like the big the big uh, red eyed fleas that uh, <laughs> that are kind of like Metroids, but they're yeah. like Metroids Jr. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that uh, that, that are really resilient. I, I took it to be that just because you do see those. I think those are the like the little things that come out of those plant pots. Mm. The ones that Yum. shake the screen when you shoot them. I don't know. No, like, well, maybe the mini ones do. Yeah. Like, the, the big ones you don't really run into until later. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, so you, you're on your way to, to Kraid, and Kraid's already fucked up a, a bounty hunter, mm-hmm. which is cool. Again, just like a little bit of environmental storytelling. Um, and he grows out of the ground and is a very impressive uh, sprite. Yeah, this is, a, this, this is a, uh, uh, an R-type sprite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this. It's kind of an R-type fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point, um, when you when you put in the music for <laughs> boss fights, because you should probably use the whole soundtrack when you edit this. <laughs> um, you should try to. And I'm not trying to backseat edit, but it'd be awesome to do a version of the boss fight that is actually uh, from gameplay, because I love the way the screams punctuate the music. Yeah, like I can't hear the boss fight that without like. <laughs> like the like the the cawing scream that happens every once in a while. Yeah, that somehow fits the music really well. Mm-hmm. 
I will try and find one that doesn't also have a whole bunch of blaster sounds, or I will yeah. at least or, put or in an like example. Or like some, some chubby nerd <laughs> breathing over it. Chris <laughs> actually not that tough if you are. Oh, uh, there's a vibrant community of Let's Players. Ah, <laughs> oh, Creed, a classic favorite. A new, a new twist on a classic favorite. A cl- I it like a, like a, like I've got a new mimosa. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this mimosa is made with lemonade instead of orange juice. Delightful. <laughs> it, it verily dances across the palate. Yes. Um, I, you know, I tend to prefer more sophisticated drinks like lemonade mimosas and Diet Coke. Yeah. But the, uh, uh, at, at one point, there was a, there was a test market of uh, Taco Bell's doing breakfast. Which I think they're doing. Yeah. They're like they're doing. A, they're doing that now. But part of taco shell, it's just a biscuit. I keep seeing pictures of it when I drive by one of them. Go, okay, <laughs> which is okay. You know, just let, let, let's remove all pretense here. Uh, but uh, like one one of the things, no, it was Burger Kings. They were trying to upgrade their breakfast. I pay attention to fast food advertising because it's fucking hilarious. And they were selling this mimosa that was Mountain Dew and orange juice mixed together. You know, here's the thing. Like that seems that that is funny and everything. That's that is that is a tale as old as time, my son. <laughs> that I remember seeing uh, that marketed in my hometown like over ten years ago. Uh-huh. Like at a a Burger King or at a Mountain or at a Taco Bell or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, them having like a breakfast, a breakfast Mountain Dew that was orange juice and Mountain Dew. Oh, wow. I think at Taco Bell, huh. and now they're just dusting the idea off again. <laughs> Like when you live in the Midwest, that's where like test markets, you know, thrive. Yeah, like Like, you get all the shittiest like fast food stuff there. Yeah, toys, fast food. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's all over. Yeah, because if it plays in the in the the bread belt, (laughs) it'll it'll play in the uh, play in the the coast. Yeah, but um, but anyway, (laughs) create is a new twist on an old Uh favorite. Um, and uh, this is that particular kind of side-scrolling huge boss fight where you're kind of jockeying for position, right? Yes. Yeah, he shoots out. Um. Like like little like nail things. It's like his nail. fingers. He's shooting his and fingers at you. His platform. Mm-hmm. Like he has a little platform growing out of his sternum <laughs> that he shoots out at you from time to time. Yep. Um, which is you know it's like the end boss of Bubble Bobble. Like if you just didn't do that, I'd probably <laughs> I'd be fine. You know, don't build these platforms in your room if you don't want to die, buddy. Um, so and you just kind of have to jump on these platforms. His big thing is knocking you off yeah. the platform, and you just have to shoot him while his mouth is open. He's actually not that tough, right? He looks impressive. Well, yeah, which is cool, and it makes it really satisfying when he just slowly sinks into the into the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just that that floor is now just crayed. <laughs> now like you just carpet over it, and then just you know hide the smell with uh, in you know incense burners and air fresheners. <laughs> yeah, and uh, past him, you can find the various suit, which is kind of the it's the first appearance of the various suit. And the way that we see it, like there was a various suit that changed your color in one and the silhouette of the various suit is in two when it shows up. But the combination of the color and the silhouette, this is the first time that it showed up. Yep. And it's actually the, the name is a result of a misprint. It was supposed to be the barrier suit. Hmm. But uh, I like actually, various suit better. It's really I like various suit too, <laughs> better, too. But like that's that's why it was called that, because it's just mm-hmm. it's protection. Yeah. And, and similar to the way the weapons give you a damage upgrade without saying it, the armors give you a protection upgrade without saying it. Yeah. So, like, ostensibly, this is just to allow you to beat the heat, mm-hmm. um, but it is also makes you hardier. Yeah. Fun in the underground sun. 
Yes. But so, so yeah, like, you know, when we were talking about the stats in, you know, in Symphony of the Night, that happens a little bit here too with that, but it's just a subtle way to be more resilient, right? And you get enough, well, I guess enough, you get another suit that does the same thing again and uh, it trivializes early areas of the game. Yeah, exactly. It, it is. Uh, so, so now that you have the suit, you can kind of go back through, you know, Norfair is 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 your domain mm-hmm. now and you can kind of head through through these hot rooms you still have to worry about actually being in lava mm-hmm. um so don't do that but you kind of you kind of push through and eventually you get to this weird uh bubble area i don't know what's going on here i like to think that it's like it just hardened like it was like at some point like this was just like a, a bubbling you know glass oh. and just it hardened at some point like all of this is uh is like igneous glass yeah, yeah. Glass is a yeah good way to put it. Like I said, plastic, but that's not right. Yeah, igneous glass is my favorite mole man NPR host. <laughs> yeah. I'm igneous glass. Um, yeah, this mole man life. Yeah, this, this subterranean life. Yep, sub American life. Ooh, I, I hope this. Uh, I hope this awesome thunderstorm is coming through on the microphone. Oh, yeah, I can't hear it, but yeah. I'm jealous. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, but uh, but you know, like you, there's stuff to do here, but mostly you're just kind of going through uh, these lava areas with xenomorphs sticking out of the walls. Um, yes, which you have no way to deal with yet. Yeah, like you you will be getting a way to deal with it, mm-hmm. but you have no way to get it deal with them yet. Yeah, uh, and you're kind of heading into the far upper right side of the map where you get the speed booster. Yes, which is awesome mm-hmm. because you're so pokey and you have to do so much backtracking in this game like anything that speeds you up feels really good i love the sound i love yeah, the sound yeah. when you're running <laughs> yeah like that, that is that is really really great it actually and it unlocks the, the the technique the shine spark mm-hmm. thing which no one's taught you how to do it yet but this actually opens up a huge part of the game if you want it to yeah um you can go back and do a lot of extra stuff definitely yeah and uh like just like every other time you pick up an item it's showing you how to use this because the room starts collapsing starts filling with lava and you have to uh you have to run you have to beat feet uh in order to beat it and this is probably the first time you see it really open up and when when you're running and when you get to max speed you just destroy everything you run into (laughs) which is really really fun Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah and uh there are certain blocks that you can either run through or run over um, and sometimes when you're uh, backtracking through earlier areas, you will uh, uh, kind of obliterate some of those blocks that you didn't know were there. Uh, yeah. That gets, in, gets you into some measure of trouble. But uh, otherwise, it's just a cool way to open up other areas of the game. I like the idea that just by moving, you are a force of destruction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you get past, you get further. Now you can run past this shutter that falls. Yeah. On um, this area that falls too quickly to get to a shaft where you can get the ice beam. Yeah. Down here, which is a really uh, like a trademark pretty fun metroid weapon um were there parts in metroid prime where you have to use the ice beam as to create platforms i think i don't remember doing that that much because it's a huge part of metroid one and this metroid Mm -hmm. like you do it constantly but i don't remember doing it a lot in prime i remember doing it with um kind of environmental stuff like where there was a Mm -hmm. magma flow that was kind of like rising up and you had to create platforms uh on that yeah i remember doing that yeah like and it was used in boss fights uh for the environment but i can't recall like that would be a nightmare in 3d space wouldn't it that's what i mean that was what that's what i was angling towards yeah was like that's a really you know just i'm just gonna make a list of things that gave up when you made fucking (laughs) prime and that's one of them is that works that's really satisfying and fun here and it's Mm -hmm. not that great there 
Yeah. But the way the ice beam works, if you don't know, is, you know, uh, it works differently here than it did before. It doesn't just toggle when you shoot stuff. Um, you actually have to, um, you know, uh, shoot it enough times to get it to get a good freeze to take. Um, but it renders stuff that otherwise would hurt you um, uh, inert so you can jump around on it. It's it, it freezes them on their penultimate hit. Yeah. So whatever would be the one that would have killed it now doesn't kill it and freezes it. Mm-hmm. Which means that enemies that used to take you, that would take you one hit to destroy now, mm-hmm. now always take two. But it's worth it because it also comes with a damage increase. Yeah. So you're going to freeze guys and ultimately kill them faster, even mm-hmm. though at, at times I was thinking like, oh, maybe this is not. I actually had to look up the math <laughs> on it because I was like, is it worth using the freeze beam if I'm not going to make platforms? And it is. Like, it is actually a damage up- increase yeah. that's significant. And also when they're frozen, you can throw a Pokeball and you're pretty much guaranteed a catch. Yeah. Yeah, or in this case, like one of those little bombs, and you're, you know, guaranteed to do a minuscule amount of damage. Um, and speaking of weird little mechanics, um, where you, if you charge and then drop bombs, you just drop that nest of five bombs. Nice. It just it, it looks really cute, but is 100% useless. And it's just, uh, I can't, I can't even imagine my wildest dreams are used for that. <laughs> Which again, um, oh, I mean, if you want to get rid of a bunch of bombs real fast. Well, yeah, exactly. But like. <laughs> There are, I have infinite of them. I just poop them out. Like yeah. they're, they're just part of me. I can't stop. It's a real problem. Yeah, yeah Sam just ovulates them shits. Like there's, <laughs> like, there's no, there's no stopping it. Um, yeah, but um, the object lesson with this one is uh, you can now get back up that chute. You're no longer trapped down here uh, in in Norfair. And even though we haven't, you know, beaten the boss of this area, there's some valuable stuff um, mm-hmm. way up yonder. Yeah. Yep. So you can climb back up, freezing people to go up to uh, to Brimstar. Mm-hmm. Again. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. this is kind of the first real bit of like backtracking you can do. You have enough stuff that you can go through and uh, get any number of, um, you know, missile upgrades from kind of cool little puzzle rooms. We're not going to, you know, cover um, all of those. But if you go back to uh, Criteria, there is uh, an optional area that I think might have been a real wall for a lot of people. It was a wall for me on my first playthrough. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, and you have to use the super bomb. Here, which it's not. I can't remember exactly where you get the super bomb. Uh, neither can I. I didn't make a note of it. Fuck. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's around. It's it is essential. You need it for some doors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I was several times like while going to sleep, I thought about making a tweet while I was playing this game and didn't, mm-hmm. which was like retweet if you use super bombs to check for secret walls. Oh yeah, fave if you don't. You know, <laughs> because, <laughs> uh, because you know that that's if you get to a, a cons- you know conspicuous dead end, mm-hmm. just throw down a super bomb and usually take care of it. Yeah, yeah. And uh like again, that is a cool extra utility. It will do damage, you know, and mm-hmm. it's in some boss fights it's uh it's it's useful, but it's just a way to quickly check a screen for pressure points and stress factors. Yeah, and it looks really cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. Get that slowly um, growing circle. <laughs> so, you, so you know, you use this, you go through the sewer um blocks and you go down to get um there's an E tank on the floor and you can actually make this jump and get to it. Yeah. If you want, but there's a little uh dead drop in front of it. That drops you down to the really cool uh, tutorializing that this game actually does. Mm-hmm. Like there are two optional techniques that it wants you to know how to do, mm-hmm. um, and it's going to teach you by introducing adorable animal friends. Yeah, you know, just little buddies. Like it, 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 they are fauna. Who it kind of makes sense if you know if Samus grew up here, looking at this stuff, like you know, teaching you the techniques just by looking at the by observing the the, the wildlife. It makes, it makes a degree of here? sense. Yes. She grew God up on Zenith. God. <laughs> God damn it. I have to uncover this stuff by reading it. <laughs> uh, 
But you did me, man. I I want to read the Metroid wiki. I love Super Metroid so much and the trappings of Super Metroid so much. Uh-huh. But if they did like a Metroid Historia book, I don't think I could buy it out of principle. <laughs> like, just like, oh, I don't care. Like, I don't, don't tell me about the history of these fucking Chozos, man. <laughs> um, that's that's kind of why why like why I take a little bit of pride in being ignorant of the uh, of the enemy names a little bit. Oh yeah, I don't yeah. know. But the, these Etikun things are great. Oh, yeah. um, I would like a stuffed one. They're like little Ewoks. Except yeah, they're cooler. really cute. And yeah. there's three of them. They always travel in th- in, in triads. Um, they're polyamorous. The, um, uh, the, the, the right, Etikun, is the primary. And the, uh, the, the middle one is his, his main squeeze. What's that emotion? The that's the left, opposite of jealousy. Uh, is, is a nude model that they met um, down at the community college. And they yeah. both decided they vibed with them. Yeah, you know, they're so. they're happy. They're living their life. And they don't care if you judge them. Yeah, and and you know the state might try to take away their kids, but fuck the state. Yeah, like get with it, pops. Um, but they teach you how to wall jump, and the way they do it is just by doing what you need to do, which is jump in a you know uh, do a, a running jump, a moving jump. So you jump in a, a ball, mm-hmm. and then you hit the wall, tap left, and then jump. And that it's very important to get that order right. Yes. It is yeah. very important, and um, it is so important that, uh, th- like I said, this will be a wall for people. Um, it's not quite frame-perfect timing that it needs. Like, there is a frame of uh, of Samus kind of, like, uh, posted up on the wall with her feet and, like, one arm attached to it, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like, like, like pressing down. I feel like that window is way too small. I think that the rest of the game is so easy. It's so easy to execute what you're trying to execute. That, you know, the points where this is like kind of semi required to, you know, proceed, the difficulty of it actually is a real damper for me in a, in a lot of ways. I, I can't disagree with you because I don't I can't separate my experience with the game. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't remember being frustrated when I was young when I played it, but that could have been little kid patience. And now it doesn't seem hard to me at all. Like, this was the time where it's like I was like, I'm going to try to wall jump early on in the game and see what I can get to mm-hmm. that I couldn't get to before. And it does allow you to do some minor sequence breaking stuff. Um, but I was just like, oh, this is this is not hard for me now. Yeah. And I don't I can't explain it. Like, you might be right, but mm-hmm. I just didn't have that experience this time. Yeah, I just like, okay. like, you know, I'll just I'll just restate it. Nothing else in the game requires this level of precision. And um, like I can see, you know, them keeping this relatively hidden and hard to execute on makes the speed runs that rely on it more impressive. But I, I can't help but think like, you know, don't make it like Mega Man X generous. Right. Mm-hmm. I just I like, yeah. the, like the, the, the two or three points where this really, you know, got on my way and fucked me up. Like kind of like it, it's it's a problem every time I've played this. Like you've played this and beaten it like six times. I've done it like three. And mm. like, I'm kind of embarrassed to say how, like how much time, like, especially that one in Meridia, which we'll get to, I just, I, I'd like this, this is probably the biggest wart on the game for me. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I don't, I can't necessarily say I agree, but you can't argue with experience. Mm. So I don't know if, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem that hard to me, but that doesn't mean anything. Um, it, it is subjective. Um, and, and I wouldn't, I don't think the game would have been ruined if they would have expanded that window. You know, I don't think that like they would have taken anything away if they did that either. They probably would have had to change the geometry of it. And, you know, like those sequence breaks, like the ones that are just kind of a hair's breadth away. If you could do mm-hmm. it more easily, like you could probably put yourself in a situation that would be really hard to get out of. You know, as, just, like a, as a regular player, like if you didn't know yeah, all the tricks. And yeah, stuff. yeah. Like just if, if they if they accident, you know, if it was easy to accidentally su- sequence break, that would be a real problem. And that's kind of the reason why I'm not saying this is a huge fuck up. 
because keeping mm-hmm. it hard makes it so that you stay on the critical path in those in those areas where you can't. But um, but but yeah, I, I think that it would be a big deal if they made it easier. But also, I think that they should have made it semi required a little bit less. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's also um, like I did. You, did you not feel like? A, and I'm not again. I'm not trying to argue your feelings, but like. Mm-hmm like a real sense of satisfaction once you've got it. Like I remember when I, when I go back to my little kid self, I remember doing it along with the little guys mm-hmm. and feeling really cool. Like, Hey, I'm just like one of you. It was like that scene in Indiana Jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull where Shia LaBeouf is like, Hey monkeys, <laughs> you guys are swinging. Me too. I'm also a monkey. This is the worst movie I've ever seen. Like it, it was like that. Like it was really cool. Yeah. yeah I mean, like I, I totally get it on an, on, on an intellectual level. And even when I, you know, I, I remember even, even when I was like, I played this like in college. Right. I didn't mm-hmm. have a little kid experience with it. Um, mm. You know, uh, Metroid Fusion was my first Metroid game. So disregard my opinion if you like listeners. Sure. Um, <laughs> but um, but, um, you know, like I, I totally understand what I was trying to do. And I get a little bit of a sense of that every time I relearn it, you know, especially because they teach you the rhythm and the timing that you need to that you need to, um, you know, use a little bit. But I think that just the fine details of that one little moment, it's so granular that I never really feel like I've you know mastered it or, you know, gotten mm. gotten to a point where I can execute it more than you know three or four times um you know and you know even if that right so i just i just think that i don't know maybe it's my dumb stupid meat hands it could totally be a lack of ability on my part which i will fully own but again it's just it, it is a weird thing that is that requires far more precision precision than anything else yeah i mean if you were frustrated you were frustrated yeah like there's no uh the other tutorial that's near here mm-hmm. where you kind of run and it, it drops you on a pit is this ostrich guy who teaches you the charge jump by doing the same thing. Like he can run and makes the same sound mm-hmm. that you make. He ducks. And then once you start flashing, you can press in a direction and shoot off in that direction. Yeah. Um, it drains your health yeah. when you do so. Um, but you can use this to explore, you know, kind of significantly, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you get, especially on the surface of the planet. Yeah. It can let you get over to an area where you otherwise would not be able to get to. Yeah. And it, this is only used for, for upgrades and the like, mm-hmm. um, you can get a couple of energy tanks and such. Yeah. Uh, by doing this. I think it said just said and stutch. <laughs> to get energy who's, tanks who's and stutch. stutch. Yeah. Stutch. Um it's a new show on AMC. <laughs> stutch. He's a hard boiled detective. I was about to say is he played by Jonathan Banks, but Jonathan Banks only ever plays hard boiled detectives. Yeah, it's 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 the it's AMC's answer to damages. <laughs> um, they call it Stutch. Stutch and Company. Yeah. Um Stutch Brothers. What's what's uh what's Stutch's gimmick? Does he uh does he always chew bubblegum? Uh, he always shine sparks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to get running. And once I get running, you're not going to want to be where I land. <laughs> was there was there an equivalent of shine sparking in uh in in, in the good old prime? I forget. Uh no. There were that's actually a cut thing. They hmm. they thought about adding it to it, but then they realized that was misguided. And it just becomes another thing that you lose when you make this game 3D. Um <laughs> but yeah, there there actually there are um like assets and the and the like, yeah. That say that they originally wanted to have power running hmm. in that game. Yeah, but uh, you can head back down into uh, into Norfair, and uh, this gets you uh, the ability to uh, fight the boss. Right, you can finally yes. go and uh, do this really cool. This is, I think, my favorite boss fight in the game. Uh, this is was excellent. Yeah, Crocomire. Yeah, this guy's real cool. Like he doesn't look that cool on his own, mm-hmm. but his intro and ending is really really awesome. Mm-hmm. Like you just get to an end of a, a pier, like you get to a place and the, and you need the grapple beam to continue. You can't. You go back. You can't go back up. 
Mm-hmm. And again, it's that like that pregnant pause. <laughs> this game does so well when and then Krokomir busts out of the wall <laughs> and uh, and you have to kind of push him into the acid. Yeah. And so this is like you're trying to wring out him or yeah. bring him out like a washcloth. Um, and he's only he's only vulnerable when he opens his mouth. And you're just kind of gaining a little bit of ground. Yeah. So, yeah. so you, you push him into the acid and he dissolves in a really gruesome way. <laughs> so many frames of animation on that. Like this puts the, uh, the, the, the Hitler explosion in Biotic Commando to shame. Yeah, his, his scream is really distinctive too. It's actually I was looking up uh, stuff about it. It's from a Godzilla movie. Oh, like yeah, it's it's a sound sample from like one of Godzilla's friends hmm. dying. Um, but then he comes back as a skeleton, <laughs> and he's not actually a, like a he's not he's not a threat. Like he's just there to spook you. Yeah, there, there's enough of his like malevolent willpower <laughs> to, to animate his skeleton for just a second to try to get you. It's like uh, Dark Souls 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he, he is uh, it, like his his hatred is powering his stones and bones. Like, yep, ah, so good. And he like he roars a little bit and then like crumbles. Yeah, ah, yep. Um, very very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can actually through this uh this this room to your to your left here, you can now go get the grapple beam, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty cool. Like you like grappling hooks, I like grappling hooks. <laughs> we all like grappling um, hooks. I and this the, one, this uh, one's actually pretty friendly, I think. Yeah. Because they they space the places you can grapple so close to each other, mm-hmm. so you can kind of inch along if you want to. Yeah. You don't actually have to master the swinging very often. Right. Yeah, and uh, the, like there are very few places where they require any degree of precision, and it you know they, it lets you fudge it, um, it, you know where it shoots out and it stays active uh, for a lot longer than like mm-hmm. a Bionic Commando or a Tomba would. Um, yeah. And so you can, uh, you, you know, when it does require you to shoot just one grapple block, um, then, uh, you know, it, it, it allows you that affordance. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's not too bad. This also allows you, now that with the grapple room in Norfair, you can go get the wave beam, mm-hmm. which just is cosmetic, really visually, but it is nice. It's a big damage up. Yeah. Well, you know what it does, right? Like it shoots through, uh, it, it oh. shoots through geometry. Yeah, yeah. Is it the wave beam or is that? Yeah, so that's a wave beam. The the, the okay. plasma beam is the one that uh, is the one that's a real big damage up. Okay, because I thought I thought it could do. I thought we were already able to go through through walls, but nope. yeah. yeah. The, so this is a big deal. Let's you choose the the geometry just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we we skip the way that you get the grapple beam though. You have to uh, speed dash down this uh you know, this big expanse. You have to clear the way, speed dash, and then take a flying leap of faith across this huge chamber that is filled with the acid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it gives you that little ramp at the end. Yeah. You get a huge jump. It's really satisfying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, but with all of this stuff, with the grapple beam and uh, and such, you're able to go to, I think, one of my favorite areas in the game. I So this is this is my... These next two areas we're going to talk about are a weird dichotomy of my favorite <laughs> uh, presentation-wise mm-hmm. and my least favorite play-wise. Okay. Like, I don't actually like playing in these areas that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but they look really cool and they feel really cool. Yeah, I feel the way you do about Meridia. I I, I, okay. I, th- I think that the, the 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 aesthetic bleeds over into the into the play in the abandoned ship enough for me to enough for me to like it. It's also so short. Yeah. Like the abandoned ship is which we're going is so and also like who was flying the ship? Why is it abandoned? <laughs> like all that stuff is really awesome. Um, I guess like I'm a little bit turned off by there being ghosts in in Metroid. Like I know that that's ends up being a thing later you fight ghost chozos left and fucking right <laughs> um but it feels a little bit like supernatural in a way that the rest of the game doesn't yeah 
Like there's something, there's like a groundedness to aliens and technology that doesn't exist when you actually get into straight up meta metaphysics. Yeah. Um, it's also, it, I find this area really kind of harsh. Like it's not that it's hard because it's so short, but little things like little sparks and stuff that fly from the ceiling do a lot of damage. Hmm. So I found myself getting like, just like, okay, well I have to go grind up some dudes now. Yeah. <laughs> like, and not like the way that I do every Friday night <laughs> down at Club Manhole. Yeah, down, so, down at the Fellowship, yeah. Yeah, down, down, down at, at, at uh, uh, Buck, Buck Futters. <laughs> or what, is, what is the that strip club in uh, Mr. Show? Buck, Buck, um, Buck. Fut Buckers. Okay. There we go. Fut Buckers. Fut Buckers. That's pretty good. Yeah. I, uh... <laughs> What's what's funny? So the, the this will this will allow people to triangulate where I work. So whatever, come visit me if you'd like. Don't don't stab me. Um, the, the the building where I work is right across from a uh, from a gay bar that's near the river, mm -hmm. um, and it's called the Dock, which is just delightful. Uh, that's really good. I love uh, I love gay bar names. The um, uh, James Adomian, who is one of my favorite stand-ups, has a really good bit about how. Uh, small town gay bars always have names like rumors and like secrets <laughs> accusation like, yeah it's, it's always you know just a, this hidden thing stigma. and then there actually is is a rumor uh yeah, stigma um you know bigotry there there is a, a rumors gay bar in, in portland mm. so when he did that routine here it was very funny he's like oh you guys actually have a rumor don't you <laughs> like, don't you mind that's just a rumor <laughs> Oh, that's yeah. great. Um, but but um, I forget, how do we even get there? Um, we were talking about me uh, grinding up some guys. Oh, uh, grinding up some guys, yeah. Yeah, so it's harsh, uh, but short. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, but... Um, <laughs> But yeah, um, I, I love the kind of intro to this. Not so much the literal bionic commando level that gets you into it with the mm -hmm. scaffolding and such, but the fact that the ship is entirely powered down. Yeah, when you which is really cool. It. The music's really cool, too. Like, it's super spooky. Yeah, and yeah. you're kind of going through and seeing all this, you know, like like doors won't open and there's machinery that just won't power up. So obviously that is that is your goal and that that leads you to uh, the boss here, which is a uh, like a literal Lovecraftian monstrosity from beyond dimensions named Fantoon. Yeah, Fantoon, which is, which is he's the reason why there's no power. Mm -hmm. Like he has a ghost sucking up all the electricity. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty stressful because there's a save room. The, re the way that you know there's not electricity is there's a save room right before him. Mm -hmm. And the game has trained you that like save rooms, you know, shit's going to get real. Mm -hmm. Like you want to save and you're going to a save room, but you can't before this boss. Yeah. And he's not insignificant. Like, he's pretty tough. Mm -hmm. So, like, dying to this guy, I could be, see being a real serious frustration. Yeah. And uh, he, he pretty much it kind of is designed to, 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 like, to take advantage of the things you've been trying to do, which is, by this point, you have super missiles. And he has a very limited window, you know, where you're able to hit him, whereas I becomes corporeal or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. I like his design. It's super unnerving. It looks but, like a light bulb. Yeah, it's like a fish bulb. <laughs> like, um, but if you uh, if you if you plug him with uh, with super missiles, uh, after enough of them, he will just fill the screen with blue flame ghosts. Yeah, I I kind of hate this boss. Like this is one of the only bosses I like really hate fighting. Like I like the presentation again, but I don't think this is a very fun fight. Mm -hmm. uh, because of that, and because his windows are so limited, yeah. that you have to spend a lot of time switching back and forth. Between missiles and uh, you know your traditional beams that can yeah. shoot, you know your blue fires. This is the first boss that took me multiple tries. Yeah, he's kind of, he's kind of a pain. Yeah. After you you beat him, the the ship powers up, and uh, you can kind of explore again. There's not very much to it. 
Um, but it's really neat. It integrates with the inside and the outside mm-hmm. of the uh, of the ship. Um, and there's these like goofy little like forbidden planet like danger, danger, <laughs> like trash bots. <laughs> yeah, and, they, and they walk around like uh, like the crazy R2 units that were rejected. Uh, you know, the that noises that make over. great. Yeah, yeah, but the fact that they're moving now uh, means that there are all kinds of little vents and stuff to open up. Like, uh, I, I like this. I like this place just because you know, like, well, the atmosphere, and also because I, I like the way that it encourages you to really, you know, more than a lot of other places, look for those hidden, you know, passageways uh, to proceed. It makes sense for there to be like tons of vents yeah. and the like here. Um, you, and the things you fight are really weirdly abstract. Like you fight a lot of like <laughs> atoms. Yeah, you, you know, you fight you fight a lot of baby's first three D render experiment. Yeah, <laughs> you fight. Yeah, you fight a lot of uh, you know uh, uh, Encarta Encyclopedia chemistry <laughs> illustrations. <laughs> um, you know, and they they take tons of hits for some reason too. I'm learning. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, so as you move to kind of the left and, and kind of make your way through, eventually you find a Chozo statue that's just standing up. <laughs> and uh, and you're like, uh-oh, Chozos are sometimes bros. They're brosos, and sometimes they're, they're nosos. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, brosos before Chozos. Um, <laughs> the, uh, but if you curl up into a ball on his hand, he'll take you on a, on a midnight hell ride. <laughs> I love that. It just marches with determination. Yep, through the spikes. Mm-hmm. Super cool. Yeah, down into uh, kind of like the sub-basement where uh, you get the gravity suit, which turns Samus. I love the way the gravity suit works. That purple, or yeah. looks, rather, looks. That's the way it works, too, because it obviates one of the more annoying movement you know, hazards before it just introduces the same hazard again with a different sprite. God yeah. damn it. <laughs> Fucking. Um, so so this, is, this allows you to move around in water. Um, which means you can explore Merida, Meridia. Now, what's cool is if you exit the ship and go to your right, you'll kind of go into Meridia the way they want you to. Hmm. Um, but earlier, if you go, there's a little tube between um, Brinstar and Norfair, I think, um, mm-hmm. that is Meridia. And if you look on your map, you're Meridia. And you can blow that up with a super bomb. Hmm. And you can do that anytime. And you can actually kind of explore that area to a limited degree before you get the suit. Right. Which is really cool. But if you... The way that I think the game wants you to go is just going past the ship you know, and I, entering Meridia through the top. I never found like I guess I've never gone that way. I've always I've <laughs> always done the uh, the the tube. I've I've never Jeez. I've never gone in top down. It's always been bottom up. Have you ever explored the area to the right of the ship? Oh yeah, like like I've gotten okay. there from Meridia. Like I saw it as kind of like a, oh this is this is showing me where I'm at in relation to this place that I've already been. Like oh, okay. that that nice little like like a bit of familiarity. Man, this is Blight Town all over again. Yeah, yeah. This is very Blighttown like in many ways. Yeah, I've, I've never. Yeah, well, yeah, but I've, I've never gone into uh, into Meridia uh, the front way, I guess. So this is going to be backwards. Fuck. Well, it's fine. We're just hitting highlights anyway. Yeah, I suppose we're. And in generality, is like Meridia kind of pisses me off because it is. It's. It feels like the biggest area in the game. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's true. But it's it feels very big. It's bisected by this weird vertical tube, this <laughs> express tube that sends you to different areas of Meridia. And like you said, it it takes the it gets rid of water, but introduces quicksand, but acts just like water. Yeah. So like it doesn't you you don't have that sense of empowerment because essentially all it did was like drain the water from it yep. more or less. Yeah, and so it, like it, like really, this just opens up an area and obviates some of the problems that you probably encountered before with water and you know the Meridia section of Brinstar, right? Yeah. But uh, but here, where it's meaningful, like it doesn't it doesn't eliminate that challenge for you. 
And, yeah. and boy, oh boy, some of the jumps it requires you to do out of that quicksand are just abominable. Yeah, the quick the quicksand is still like I never got good at, you know, working with the quicksand. Yeah. Um, which it makes a sense because one of the things they're doing is giving you the, the space jump mm-hmm. here eventually, um, which is lets you get past the quicksand without really dealing with it. You know, um, so that's that's it's kind of doing that thing where it's going to introduce a hazard and then give you the way past it, which is fine. It's just the hazard is very annoying. Yeah. You know, so getting there is annoying and you have to you spend a lot of time just kind of exploring these big, empty areas that look mm-hmm. the same. Yeah. And also there are these little spike bits that fly out of the out of the quicksand and knock you back down into it. So even yeah. if you, you know, figure out which frame of animation you need, to, you need to press the button in to jump and not just kind of like, you know, <laughs> jitter around on the surface. <laughs> Fuck, I'm so angry, Gary. <laughs> you sound very pissed. Yeah. Um, it just uh, like it knocks you back. Like, I really don't think that this is successful, which sucks because I like the presentation. The music is good. I love the, you know, like you're already on an alien world and the closest thing that we have here on earth to an alien world is underwater stuff like yeah somebody make a water level in a video game that doesn't fucking suck well yeah and, and take advantage <laughs> of the things that are neat about water yeah uh, which is this and the game does have like a really really cool biome mm-hmm. like it does have this very unique feel to it you're going to run into creatures that you never see anywhere else mm-hmm. here with some regularity um like those little those little shell guys that you can hit and turn into kick the cans yep and stuff, which is really cool, uh-huh. and um, the 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 Mockroids, <laughs> like the uh, the fake Mechroids you run into, which is awesome because if you've been playing the game, you're just like, holy shit! Like, <laughs> what is this thing? And and this is I don't know if this is explicit somewhere, and this is in Metroid Historia. Don't tell me because I want to feel good about coming up with it myself. Is the idea that these creatures evolve that way to scare off predators? Hmm. Like if you're if you live in a world where the Metroid is king shit, you know it's the apex predator, <laughs> like looking like the apex predator. Uh huh. You know, is is that's gonna do do wonders for you? No one's gonna fuck with you. The Metroids you know? didn't evolve on ZBs. They were they, they were there, I think, as part oh, of the. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like on SR. Well, they they could have they could have evolved since the the Metroid arrived. Oh, maybe but these, these things could be a new addition. Yeah, I like the idea of this as like a coral snake and the whatever other snake is poisonous or not poisonous. I yeah. guess that's cool. I, I can actually tell you what the like what it is. What the Mocktroid? Uh, it's it's in the Super Metroid manual, but uh, these are the first kind of like failed, failed clones of uh, of a Metroid the, uh, that the space pirates were trying to make. I you're you're breaking up. Oh, they uh, the, the, the like these are not like native I, or I, anything. I can't hear you. What? I can't hear you. Oh shit! I don't want to hear you. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Um, <laughs> which is funny because like it's concurrent like it's contemporaneous with Super Metroid <laughs> like yeah. it's just it's just actual text about about where these my, things come from my headcanon is invincible <laughs> um, the, it's, uh, like, you're, it's like the Paris canon yeah yes yeah it is the uh, the Paracelsus. <laughs> um, yeah Resident Evil 3 fans will notice the ending <laughs> well, we'll pick up that reference <laughs> um, so anywho yeah, so the Mocktroids, which I thought were really cool. Uh, you up thought? Until about, like, <laughs> up until about 20 seconds ago. You used to be cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, it's great because, like you, you, like, you don't encounter them right away. And if you're using that little express tube, uh, you know, like, from upper Meridia down to lower lower Meridia, you're going to pass by them, like, just real yeah. quick, like, in a flash. Right? And you I think, really like that. I'm here for Metroid, so this must be my goal. And when you get to them and you find out that they're just kind of fucked up, like, they're missing a, they're missing a nucleus and they're more flaccid. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, yeah, and they're just easier. Yeah, they're, to kill. they're the Metroid version of Homsar. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, um, whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh, man. 
But um, but yeah, so this is uh, you're continuing you're continuing through through Meridia. Like once you get you know away from the quicksand area and just that fucking impossible jump from the quicksand up to the uh, the like the wall jump area and you're trapped in there. Ugh. Like it's fine. I don't, I don't actually know where you're talking about with this mandatory wall jump area. Uh, so like there's there's an area in Meridia like down like down the lower part where you you know like where there is quicksand where you can get locked behind a uh, you can lock, get locked behind a shutter door right. Um, and, uh, like it, like it leads you up, um, over to where you can get the, the like the spring ball, right? Like that, that, that's how you get up there. But the problem is you have to blast open a part of the ceiling, um, in a room that doesn't have anything you can, uh, like freeze a platform for. You have to do a standing jump from the quicksand up into the hole in the ceiling, which is already kind of a, kind of a nightmare. Um, and then do a, a like a large number of, uh, of wall jumps till you get to the top where, Oh wait, there's a bunch of like little like mosquito spike enemies that will knock you out of the middle of the air. So you have to kind of intuit that you have to super bomb and then flawlessly jump up there while they're still dead in order to clear it. I think that what I think I did do that, but I think that the part where you bust open the ceiling, I think you can bust open part of it so you have a platform to stand on once you get out of the quicksand. Right. That's the thing. You have a platform to to stand on, but if you're failing at wall jumping as much as I do, you're going to fall back down into the quicksand. I kept falling back onto the platform that yes, I made. I kept yeah. just miraculously, I swear, Doc, I just tripped fall, falling into the hole. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, like, it was a, it was annoying. It was like a real gotcha moment. Um, especially if, like, I mean, and if you're going to put something like that in the game, you should put, a, like, the most superfluous power-up. Yes. You know, behind it, because you don't need the spring ball. Yeah, put, like, the x-ray. Gun. Yeah, like the X-ray or the Spring Ball. These are the two mm-hmm. losers of the the Super Metroid world. Yeah. Here, um, you get to that one room with the with the weird robot that tunnels. <laughs> that little thing. I don't know what that thing's story is. Yeah. <laughs> well, you see, the space pirates were trying. No, no, I'm <laughs> sarcastic. Um, I don't want to know what its story yeah. is. The, um, <laughs> then don't ask. The, the result of a failed experiment. <laughs> um, the chosen mythos when they summon their ghost spirits <laughs> they inhabited the machines and the great war of <laughs> the, the, they inhabited the sand tunnelers and this is their uh, tale geez. the sand tunnelers tale sounds like some great 70s like sea sci-fi it sounds like an awesome uh lost chapter to the canterbury tales <laughs> the, the, the fiddler crab's tale yeah <laughs> just like don't mind me i'm just a fiddler crab i don't do any cunnilingus in the story so you, you don't get to giggle, giggle about it during high school <laughs> yes you know, you know, I'm just a simple fiddler crab, but I think farting in people's faces is wrong. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I was cut out of the Canterbury Tales. <laughs> um, Chaucer's like, if it doesn't fart, it doesn't start. Is that a James James Jonah Jameson character? <laughs> I gotta, I gotta have bearded clams and and fought in faces in this book if you want it published. <laughs> Get your charming tales of Fiddler Crabs out of here. I like the idea of the Spider-Man spinoff, J. Jonah Jameson, pornographer. <laughs> yeah. yep. Edit, pr- pornography editor at large. <laughs> Time-traveling pornography editor at large. <laughs> Listen, Willie Shakes. He does, I don't want to read this if it isn't ribald as fuck. <laughs> T- Titus Andronicus, more like Titus and Snorricus. Like tight ass Androgynous. That's, I, that's the play I want to read. Tight ass Androgynous. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps hoping the next leap will be the leap home. 
<laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> Then since he's that guy, his his AI companion also is just like, hey, what are you doing here? <laughs> since he plays the, the L person <laughs> together, they're just super obnoxious. Do One you guys have like, glass tables here? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> one like leaps into editors and the other one leaps into uh guy style guys. Yeah. <laughs> this is fucking what are we doing? <laughs> like the pat like the past four episodes we released of every show have had something to do with fucking or cum. Spring is air, man. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> The actual thing about this, so the thing about this enemy is you kill it when you're, you, you might kill it, but you're not supposed to. Yeah, you're supposed to just follow it along. Yeah, just let him do his thing. Yeah, he's peaceful. Um, he eventually leads to the Botwoon, which is just a uh, really generic wall snake that feels like a Ninja Gaiden enemy to me. Yeah. Like, uh, like it, isn't there like, I feel like there's a snake that comes out of the wall in a later Ninja Gaiden yeah. game. Um, but the real thing you're looking here is the actual boss of the area, Dragon. Mm-hmm. Down through with, a fake spike floor, yeah, yeah, which is which is tricky. And this boss is great. Mm-hmm. Have you? Ever, I've never fought him the real way. Neither have I. He's kind of like the ceaseless discharge of this game mm-hmm. for me because the non-real way is so satisfying. Oh yeah, like it's so awesome. It feels it feels like really in character for Samus too, doesn't it? Yeah, it's exactly. It's her being resourceful and badass, mm-hmm. as opposed to just like killing things. Like she has to actually because he's a hard boss if you actually fight him. Yeah. Um, I've tried a couple times and I always give up mm-hmm. because I get grabbed and it's like, well, might as well just do this cool thing. Yeah, like like he's really tough, you know, like like resilient, right? He can, he can soak a lot of shots. Um, mm-hmm. It's like this big like crawdad kind of thing. Um, but I mean, let's let's talk about the joke way to take him out. You have these turrets in this room, right? He's fighting you in a techno chamber, um, mm-hmm. and if you uh, if you shoot out one of these turrets, um, this boss's kind of gimmick is that he will grab you and then just do a bunch of damage. Um, if you don't kind of struggle to get away, but you can still yeah. shoot away from him. And if you uh, grapple onto the kind of like sparking remains of one of these turrets that you just um, <laughs> that you just shot out, um, you will conduct the elect- the electricity through you. You'll take damage, but you're passing most of it on to him because he's the terminus of this and uh, he-, he dies. Yeah, and, and you take an alarming amount of damage enough to where it becomes kind of a risk reward thing mm-hmm. um, where you're just like, can I hold out long enough? to fry this sucker um and and you do it's very cool you kill him and then all his babies come to mourn him yeah mourn her as it were mm-hmm. i've read theories so i can go onto the wiki but i will just not oh, that uh <laughs> because you see a bunch of the small ones kind of swim by before the main one appears that the, like the one you fight is a conglomeration of a bunch of these tiny ones but okay yeah so then the, what are those ones that come and gather like around its corpse or whatever? Uh, they're trying to, <laughs> they're not mourning for their mom. They're mourning for their brothers and sisters. For themselves. Yeah. Weep, weep, for, weep for yourself. The bell tolls for thee. <laughs> yeah. Dragon. Um, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I've never fought this the actual way. I really like the, uh, the, the, the just resourcefulness uh, that, you know, that, that's shown here. And it feels like one of those like goofy, uh, like Mega Man X bosses that is just completely you know, basically skippable because of the ways the, uh, the way that the arena changes. Yeah. You're able to d- just, you know, be clever as mm-hmm. opposed to just being skilled, yeah. which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, after you beat him, you get the uh, space jump, which allows you, it is a jump, 
like it lets you infinite double jump as long as you do it right. Yep. Um, so kind of on the down arc, like it, it is similar. The thing it's closest to is using the cape in Mario Brothers, I think, yep. or in Super Mario World. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if you get the rhythm right, like you know, you're the, the like from the apex, it's always kind of like a uh, a defined time. Um, it, it's like a, I think like a percentage of like the how much you fall. If you fall too far, you're, you know, you're going to break out of your spin and uh, you know not be able to do it again. But uh, effectively, you can do it forever. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it kind of eliminates the need to wall jump. It eliminates the need to uh, bomb jump all those things um, once you master it. And I like how it's not trivially easy because mm-hmm. it is it could be, mm-hmm. um, but it's not. And uh, using that, you can actually fly up the room to get the plasma beam, which mm-hmm. is really cool. Um, and that is the most powerful weapon you're going to get until the very end of the game. Yeah. And this is great because it introduces a new color of space pirates, the pink ones, uh, which yeah. you can't uh, which you can't fight. You know, can't do any damage with you know to with your regular beams, but on your way back out, you can do damage with the plasma beam. And uh, and then we uh, after you have that, we're on to lower Norfair because yeah. um, we have uh, one last uh, guy. The checklist of the statue of bosses we have to fight, mm-hmm. which like if Nintendo hasn't made that statue yet, it's a little <laughs> flexible. It should, um, but we have to go find that last boss. That seems like something that would be really expensive on Etsy. Um, it'd be like, have you seen Avengers two, Cole? No, I have not. Um, the credit see this isn't a spoiler. The credit see sequence shows all the Avengers mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be out of this like plastic action figure thing, but it make it looks like somebody made a butter sculpture <laughs> of all the Avengers fighting Ultra. <laughs> and uh Delicious. So this is an area that, unlike Meridia, the theming and the play kind of line up for me. I yeah, love the fact yeah. that we are in a crazy lava temple. Yeah, th- this place is pretty great. And there's a lot of those little throwaway details that I don't want to know about. Um, <laughs> these little statues, I don't want to know what, you know, Chozo Godzos are or what they mean. I just like looking at them. Um, it's also really challenging. Mm-hmm. this area like this is this is one of the first really tough areas of the game like the individual just kind of mook monsters you're going to fight are actually uh you know pretty tough yeah at this point like I, I really like this as well yeah and you're back in an area where i guess this is a different kind of lava but it will damage you even through the gravity suit yeah it's like super super lava <laughs> super acid yeah it's super it's both i could never figure out <laughs> what it was but no. um but yeah, uh, so uh, again, those cool Chozo uh, statues and stuff like there's just a sweet um, uh, statue that has like flame fountains next to it and stuff later on. But um, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is an area with kind of like uh, like a really high concentration of these Chozo statues, including one that drains this acid um, and another, uh, which is another boss. Yeah, yeah, which they've already done that, which is kind of annoying, but it, you can do it because it's been so long Yeah, and it kind of bookends the game like. The game has these these repeating elements that, you know, it starts with a, an escape, it ends with an escape. Mm-hmm. It starts with all these fake Chozos and stuff. It's kind of an appealing symmetry. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, so you, you fight Ridley and then that fake Chozo and then this fake Chozo and then Ridley. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. So there's a way you can cheese this. You can actually uh, super bomb and get up to a little uh, kind of like annex up, up above the uh, up above the acoustic tiling. Mm-hmm. To uh, to shoot down. But otherwise, uh, this guy's a lot more mobile than his uh, than his cousin. Yeah, he's he's pretty tough, um, but it's nice because once you beat him, you get the screw attack, mm-hmm. um, which is really empowering. Um, it makes you do damage when you do space jumps. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, and it's kind of iconic Metroid power-up. Yeah, and it's less, uh, it, it is less likely that something will knock you out of a space jump because you're doing damage, you know? Yeah. You are a hurt box as opposed to a hit box now. It actually, yeah, it does one of the highest amounts of damage in the game, actually. Mm-hmm. So it, it, you will only take damage if you don't kill the thing you hit, mm-hmm. but you'll kill most of what you hit other than bosses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a mini boss encounter right before Ridley. These, uh, these, uh, I guess, silver um, space pirates that are that do kung fu and throw their arms at you. Yeah. Yeah, these guys are a pain in the ass. You can't hit them with anything because they deflect it. You have to actually hit them from behind. Or no, it's, it's, you have to hit them when they become vulnerable, which is only a little while after they jump. Yes, it is during the jump and for like a second after they jump. Yeah, they're very, very tough. And luckily, you only had to beat them once. Like, they're in one of these rooms. We didn't really talk about this, but they are rooms that will seal until you defeat all the enemies in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, you only have to defeat all the enemies once. Yeah. And then you can just kind of scoot on through. But afterwards, you get to what... Uh, you know, is actually kind of the end boss of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, the the bosses after this are more or less trivial. This is the the final encounter, challenge wise, yeah. which is uh, which is Ridley. And canonically, this is the last time that you're fighting Ridley himself, the Ridley who killed Samus's family. Mm. Oh wait, did you not <laughs> want to know that? No. <laughs> like, is that? Are you serious? Yep. God damn it! <laughs> yeah, so Sam uh, Ridley came and raided raided uh, a space station that Samus was uh, on that was over Zebes, and uh, she landed uh, amongst the, the the dim and last dying remnants of the uh, Chozo on Zebes and was raised by them. But uh, but yes, that is one of the reasons that uh, there is bad blood between them. It's like there's a Metroid script, and they got a bunch of high school juniors to punch it up. <laughs> like like it's just so like ugh, I hate that. <laughs> Gary, I'm the one who had to read it. No, I know, but it just, it's like, it was so cool when Ridley was just this mysterious guy. It's like, um, it's, I mean, it's just like the, the fucking prequel Star Wars movies where like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not a Star Wars guy, but Boba Fett was cooler before I knew about his fucking upbringing. <laughs> you know, I didn't need to see baby Boba Fett. There's no sense of mystery. Mm-hmm. Well, like, no, everything has to connect. Yeah, and it doesn't, like, even Wolverine, like, they did that Wolverine Origins mm-hmm. story, and it's like, Wolverine, his whole thing is he doesn't, like, he doesn't even know his past. Yeah. And then doing the, the story of him being a sickly young lad. Wolverine, you, and, mean, you mean James? Yeah, James Howlett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Big, big, that's, a, that's a big bummer. I really don't like that Ridley <laughs> murdered Samus's parents. Yeah. Because you, you, you were talking about earlier how, like, we didn't really need an explicit motivation, you know? Uh-huh. And that could have been true for the whole series. <laughs> but now, every time you fight him, well, even though it's not actually him because of some other, like, nonsense lore stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, in, I in, in, in Prime, uh, no, no, like, so this is, this is crazy. This isn't Meta Ridley. Prime takes place before this, and he's like a gigantic mecha dragon. He's not a mecha dragon here. And in, yeah. in few, uh, so in, uh, oh, wait, in Other M, he's a clone. And in Fusion, it is a corpse of one of his clones that is reanimated by X. Uh, he, like he's just a big dinosaur. Thing. Yeah, like he doesn't. He, he it's doesn't written, it's ridiculous that. that he has a name. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like, you shouldn't like. You shouldn't have that. You don't need rights. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, but anyway, I'm so sorry to take some of the magic away, Gary. I just it's, don't... It's, it's it's not you. It's Nintendo. Like it's not it's not your fault. Um, this is a really hard fight, though. I the, think the arena is so constricted too. Yeah, it's, it's a very small thing, and he he's huge. He has a huge herd box. Mm-hmm. He's very mobile. Um, and you just have to just hit him a lot. Like, yeah. I beat him this time around, but with just a sliver of health left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like, tough. his move is really goofy. Like, the, the his, his pogo tail thing. 
yeah like, like just jackhammering up and down the platform like it's it's like a yeah. nice little bit of levity like i've always read ridley as kind of being a goofy guy yeah but. yeah exactly well if you'd read the the comic that came with it you'd learn that his two friends Creed and fucking Krokemeyer, and they hang out at the pub and yeah. talk about how they lost their families <laughs> like, yeah. you know he was a goofy guy did edgar wright like directs the prequel to this yeah yeah well it turns out metroid uh samus actually traveled back in time to kill ridley's parents oh, okay who in turn were the people who birthed the the samus project they're the oh. scientists in the Samus project. You can just make this shit up. Like you can just like stick certain words together and just make Metroid lore. <laughs> yeah. Like it is so ineptly put together. <laughs> um, and not even like, I realize this medium is weak yep. as far as that stuff goes. But like, this is, this is a, to me is beyond. Yeah. Well, like I mean, Metroid lore is about as bad as it gets. Yeah. When, the, when, when there's less of it, it's more special. Yeah. And oh. it's like matched only by Zelda lore for being <laughs> yeah. stupid shitty. Um, oh, man. Yeah. Anywho. Yeah. So Ridley is a tough boss, but um, uh, the the reveal after you defeat him is uh, one of my favorites. It is such an anticlimax. You go into this yeah. room that is next to his uh, his boss chamber, and there is just a single broken canister on the ground. No power up, pick up, no music, I don't even think. Just mm-hmm. like uh, a weird way for them to say your princess is in another castle. Yeah. Like Ridley fucked up. <laughs> and look the thing out, or he did it on purpose. Mm-hmm. I don't want to know if you actually know what the answer is. Um, you know, but I like to think that he fucked up. Yeah. Um, and let it out, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna get acquainted with that because the rest of this, again, bookending the game, this next section, there's combat and everything, but it's much more cinematic. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So you go back to that uh, that statue, the butter statue of the Avengers, and yes. um, when the last of the lights go out, um, it sinks into the into the you know into the ground and opens up the uh, the door back to Torian. Yes. Yep. Which is your your final area. Yeah. And which this area is like super sparse and cool. Mm-hmm. Like there are a couple of enemies you'll fight, but you start out similar to you start at the, the beginning of the game in kind of quiet spookiness. Yeah. Here. And this is like an operational lab. This isn't ruins of, you know, something that was once function- functional. This is mm-hmm. this this is attended to. Yeah. Yeah, and you're you're running into enemies that will give you trouble, mm-hmm. you know, here, but they're made of like sand. Like they are desiccated and they crumble yeah. in this really really appealing way. <laughs> um, you know, it, just when you touch them. Yeah. Like uh it's really really cool looking. And they're 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 made of sand here because they're full on metroids. Yes, like the, the, yep. you know, they're actual Metroid larvae, like in the first game, and you dispatch them just like you did in the previous games. Hit them with the ice, and then you know, you know, you know, whack yep, them the with a hammer. Yeah. yeah, the old one too. Um, but they're they're everywhere, uh, implying that the baby Metroid that you created was pregnant, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, or that like the scientists did something to it to make more babies. Or they did babies. Yeah, yep, exactly. Don't go chase some waterfalls. <laughs> <laughs> Metroid. Um, Metroid. But yeah, so there, there are Metroids here. Mm-hmm. And each room becomes kind of like a puzzle to get around them. Like you can't really, it's very hard to fight more than one at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times it's about like getting them to edge over the lip of a, the floor mm-hmm. below you um, to have them come up and, 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 you know, you can take them on right on. And it's really fun. Like I like all of these encounters with the Metroids. Yeah. In the original Metroid, I remember them kind of overdoing it. Like I felt like I was fighting more Metroids than I wanted to. And in Metroid 2, you have to like hunt Metroids in order to change the lava levels and change the geometry of the world which is arbitrary and weird um here it's like they're they're used well i think gary butterfield and too many metroids 
Yep, exactly. Oops, all Metroids. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't don't care. But here, there's just the right amount. Yeah, Goldilocks Metroids. Um, yep. But you get to this one chamber down here, past your mm-hmm. refills and stuff, where there are enemies that are like invulnerable, like these big, scary enemies, like varsity level enemies that you otherwise would have had trouble dealing with, and they themselves are desiccated husks that uh, mm-hmm. fall apart as you pass them. Yep. And, and it's this little cutscene where, again, there's this little moment of silence that you can't continue on. And uh, the big Metroid, a uh, giant Metroid. Mm-hmm. The, in, which the is like, Super Metroid. Yes, as it were. Um, which is your little buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love just making something bigger as a way to play on your instinctual fear of it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a, it's a lot like the... Um, uh, my friend Will, who's playing through Dark Souls 2 for the first time, was talking about how they fuck around with your basilisk fear. Yeah. And it's like the first time you run into him, it's like, oh, here's a giant basilisk. Yeah. You know, this is, you know, you were scared of those things. Like, you're scared of these things at this point, and here's just a big one. Yeah. I mean, it's you know? it's uncanny, right? Like, that, yeah. that that is not as it ought to be. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it, it starts sucking out your, your life, mm-hmm. but it something happens, and it, it, you know, recognizes you. It makes or, its chirp. Yep. It makes its, its baby chirp and lets you go. Mm-hmm. And flies off, um, you know, just to go, to go do its thing. Go its thing. It escapes. Like, go mm-hmm. run along, little guy. Yeah, um, I don't want you. Anymore. I don't need you. <laughs> um, yeah. It's and the Harry and the Andersons. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a really cool, like, again, like, I love the storytelling of this. It's, it manages to be poignant mm-hmm. while being about, like, you know, a space bounty hunter and a monster. Like, <laughs> you know, using no words. Yep. It's all told just in engine yep. and through animations and the like. Yeah. Uh, you get to, uh, it appears that the final boss fight of this game is going to be the final boss fight of the first game, right? This yep. is Mother Brain's Chamber. Yes, which uh, which is kind of neat for the uh, the first in Metroid 1, like the idea that you don't actually fight this creature, you fight her surroundings, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of a trope now, but at the time it was really neat. And it's really about kind of dodging these little rings that come at you. Um, while you while you try to make your way through, going through these little um, they're called something. They they are they're actually creatures. Zebatroids. Zebatroids. Yeah, the little walls that you have to go through. Yeah. Um, but just getting to her glass chamber and smashing her her face open, mm-hmm. um, which is really satisfying. The animation looks really cool. It's really great. Yeah. And the brain falls to the ground, and it's again with these little pregnant pauses. <laughs> this game does so well, um, and it turns into the uh, the super mega mother brain. Yeah, like dinosaur brain. <laughs> Yes, yeah, exactly. Like they just stick Mother Brain on top of a dinosaur. Yeah, essentially, it's a little bit goofy looking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and this is kind of like a little bit of a trivial boss fight. Like you're so well appointed to fight her, and it's really there's really no dodging that you can do. You know, you're yeah. just kind of firing up and diagonal until you until you do enough damage. This is more of a cutscene than anything. Yeah, and that's that's it's been that way since Ridley, more or less. Yeah. Like you fight the Metroids, which is which is mechanically based, but yeah. we're in and a like long. The, the room can be a little bit like like tr- tricky too. The actual chamber where you're fighting the like the jar. Yeah, but at this point you're so powerful. Like they don't yeah. do very much damage to you, and like you are, you've gotten you know even if you you're like me and you don't seek out that many health restore things, you, mm-hmm. you're pretty well equipped. Okay. Um, she does the, this beam attack from her mouth. Two things. Um, one is that it is so uh, satisfying looking, like the uh, the sense <laughs> of impact and weight that it has when it like slams you into the wall. Like it really carries the sense of force um, that comes through. In uh, for Teenage Dirtbags, one of the episodes coming up, we're doing this uh, song uh, by Hot Chip called "I Feel Better," which has an amazing, amazing video that everyone should watch, and I'll put in the show notes. Um, but there's a similar thing in that video hmm. of this like mouth beam that has a sense of impact hmm. uh, that I really appreciate. 
Um, what era yeah, was this it, from? Uh, that's a, it's not 90s. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Brayden picked it out. Like, it, it's funny because I told Elizabeth you were doing that. She's like, I don't even know what that show's about. Like, what, what, what's, like, what your show's about anymore. Like, because it, it, it's from like 2007 or something like that. <laughs> it doesn't matter. There's no, we're, we're our own bosses. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, when you do enough damage to Mother Brain, um, she uh, does an attack that you cannot avoid. It's like a rainbow mouth beam. This is yeah, that's her, what I'm talking yeah. about. That. Oh yeah, yeah. This is her version yeah. of the hyper beam, right? And it just kind of yes. like locks you. And again, uh, your your vital life essence is draining. Um, and uh, your little friend Harry comes back. Yeah, he doesn't just like come back. He comes back right as you're. She's winding up to attack you again. Mm-hmm. She does this long, long charge. The music's doing that like dum 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 dum. You know, it's just it's really intense. And she's just about to spray, and the Metroid zooms in from off camera and slams her in the face. There are so many beats in this. Yeah, I, like it's, just it's like like little individual really beats does. and exchanges. Like yeah. Oh my gosh, and, and like. The, the, the scream she makes, like the way that she writhes mm-hmm. when she's being when she's being drained by this thing, it's so good. Mm-hmm. It is so good. It's like it might be the best. Like it is up there with the best 16-bit, you know, like game-ending things. And that's the console that had Final Fantasy VI. Yeah. Like, and that you know that ending is so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the, the... this is if you consider this kind of part of the actual ending of the game, which I do. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Yeah. And it's like, uh, I, I don't know, the, like the closest comparison I can think of that we talked about in recent time. Remember uh, the death of Luca Blight? Uh, yeah. A little bit. Yeah, like, yeah. like, the, like the, there's less like new assets and frames of animation drawn for this. But like it is it is as impressive, I think, what they're doing with their limitations on it. The death of Luca Blight is really satisfying because it itches your like vengeance nerve. Yeah. This is very satisfying because it actually itches this like the weird poignancy mm-hmm. that you're dealing with. This idea that like really opens up a lot of awesome questions that I think probably operate better as questions and (laughs) I'm sure the series have answered about like these things like they're not inherently evil Mm -hmm. you know they can be it's a it's a nurture thing not a nature thing yeah and you've been spending this entire trilogy of games murdering them wholesale like you blew up their home planet Mm -hmm. and they're not inherently bad right you know, which is which is really cool. Like that's a really and you know, you deliver them into the hands of scientists to use them and like they've been experimented on. But this one just is, you know, it recognizes you as the person who saved it mm-hmm. and it's gonna do you a solid. Yeah. In return. It is it is pure and innocent. And that that uh, breathing animation that Samus has while she's like recovering. Mm-hmm. Again, just like that, like that exhausted taking a knee mm-hmm. thing. Um, so after the Metroid uh, sucks Mother Brain into like a dormant state, yeah. it lands on you and starts. It fills back up your health. Yeah, transferring the uh, the hyper beam over to you. Yeah, and and as it's happening, the health is filling up slowly, and you think all is well, but then the Metroid or the Mother Brain starts kind of like drooling again mm-hmm. and getting back into the rhythm, and starts attacking the Metroid that's on top of you. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I'm like, I'm at half health. Let me go, little buddy. You know, yeah. like, Please. I can do it. Fight with me. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. But instead, uh, he he dies for for your sins, mm-hmm. and uh, is destroyed by Mother Brain, but not before landing on you and giving you this hyper beam. Yeah. And but, also imparting Metroid particles into you that will then be used with clone Metroids and other. So elegant. You know, it's it's like if you ordered. Like a fine piece of steak, and then it just came with a bunch of Slurpees on top of it. <laughs> That's what the story to Metro, like the later Metroid, 
things are. It's not like Mets Slurpees are inherently bad, but like, I just want to eat this nice filet mignon. I don't want to have it coated in fucking Cheetos and Slurpees. <laughs> yeah. and, and like, you know, uh, uh, Choco Tacos. <laughs> because that's what the story is to later Metroid games. Yeah. It's to never having a ribeye with a Skittles salad. <laughs> Yeah, give me your finest food stuffed with your second finest food. <laughs> Lobster stuffed with tacos. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sorry to take the impact away from this poignant moment where this thing that sees you as a mother sacrifices so that you can uh, continue. Yeah, and you get to you get to actually play out this vengeance. Like, this could mm-hmm. have been a cutscene in a worse game, but instead you actually get to fight Mother Brain, and she still can hurt you, but the hyper beam is so nuts mm-hmm. that it just knocks her head back with every hit. Yeah. And uh and and you just make short work of her. Yeah. Like this like I I think I'm remembering correctly corroborate this. Does the screen shake every time you shoot shoot her? I know she there's a lot of like kind of kinesthetic hallmarks. I don't know if the screen shakes, but she screams and her head flips back. Yeah. But there's a lot of motion and sound to it. I don't know if it actually shakes. <laughs> but it is it is very satisfying. Nice. To murder her, she just killed your little buddy. Yeah. My friend. Um and then because it's a Metroid game, you get an escape sequence, um, <laughs> which is really cool. Like, yeah, you know, there are pirates here, but you're blowing through them. And, like, you've got a mat on at this point. Yeah. Like, you're pissed about this whole thing. And, uh, and so you make your way through just plowing through pirates. So you're blasting through these pirates as you go up. They're pretty much just speed bumps, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when you get to Criteria... Uh, you can either go back to your ship or make a choice that you probably didn't realize was a choice. Yeah, there's there's a tiny little bit, because this game is full of de- you know details that are on the surface are unnecessary, um, but actually just add to the flavor. Um, if you go back into this little optional area that you have no reason to go into, if you have the time, you can open up this little door and uh, you find your little Anna friends. Yeah. The, uh, the, the little, little pals. Mm-hmm. Who yeah. taught you so much? <laughs> In a way, you know, you you're the one who learned from them. Um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the, the the students are really my teacher. Yeah. The um and and this is a big meme in the awesome games done quick. That uh, you know culture, where like save the animals versus kill the animals because it's actually a little faster, obviously, mm-hmm. if you don't save the animals. Um, so every year they do that as it's one of the biggest incentive goals they do. And they raise a lot of money with people voting to save or kill the animals. <laughs> that's great. Every year. Yeah, yeah. People, and there have been shirts about it. It's actually, they do shirts with the Yeti every year. And that's how I got my cool runaway five tour shirt. I have that like one they're too. all pretty, they're pretty good. And I missed one of them and I hate that I missed it because I don't know if they'll re reprint it, but it's a save the animal shirt. That is just a picture of the animals in the foreground in silhouette. With Samus having opened the door in the background. Oh, nice. Like, to save them. And there's no text or anything. It's just Samus having saved the animals. And if you know what it is, you know what it is. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and I, I didn't buy it <laughs> for one reason or another. My charity oh. budget was out for that month or something. Yeah. But I, it sucks because I would like to have that shirt. Yeah. Um, you'll remember at the end of Metroid Fusion, these are the things that piloted the ship that rescued you after you d- directed the space station into SR-388. I do remember that. That's I, I don't. Uh, I mean, that's boy. It, you know, I, I said it earlier jokingly, and I love the people who listen to the show, and I respect you if your opinions are different. If you can defend, like, I would like to read a well-reasoned defense of what they've done to the lore of this series. Like, I'm. I if you can come up with a good argument for it, I would like to hear it because I fucking can't. I can't. <laughs> you you will note, listener, that all I all that I have done is relay facts. 
and Gary yeah. is the one who's reacting to them. No, yeah, bring it. No, send it to me. Don't you don't even have to send it. You know, my name at gmail dot com. You don't have to send them through the duckweed thing <laughs> if you want to. I would love to hear like what the uh, who's who likes that. Like who who saw these little creatures and was like, you know what? I wish that they could pilot a ship and help me escape. You know, they're like, who who thought that was a good idea? You know, like, who who thinks that's a good idea now? I mean, the who thought that was a good idea makes it sound like I'm putting the creators on blast, which I am. But I, mean, I want to put the fans on blast a little bit. And just like, who who is the user who's like, that's a cool idea? Because I don't know. I can't imagine that person. Ah. Uh, hmm. um, anywho. People like so things you, that are familiar. I, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Like, so, so you go down and you save them. You get in your ship. Um, this this escape is timed really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I never escape with tons of time left. Yeah. I always escape with like a little bit of time left, which is really satisfying. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, the planet blows up. And if you save the animals, you get a tiny little pixel. <laughs> yep. That is their escape pod. Yeah. Shooting out. They're escaping so that they can orbit for however many years past and then come and save you. After yeah, exactly. you direct the space station into SR388. Yes, they'll 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 wait for you. <laughs> the, uh, and that's and that's Super Metroid. Yeah, um, it's kind of gross. Uh, depending on how uh, quickly you beat the game, you see more of Samus's skin. Yes. Yeah. I've never been able to do. Um, I well, this time I got. I feel like I got bikini. Hmm. What are what are the levels? There's helmet. Yeah, so there, so so there is a faceplate, which is what I got because I was taking okay. notes and stuff. Uh, there is helmet, I believe, um, and then and then I believe bikini, but I'm not sure. What do you know? Do you know what the time threshold is for bikini? Uh, three hours. Okay, I didn't beat it in three hours. I got helmet though, because mm-hmm. this game is remarkably short. Like we, you know, just kind of hit the highlights there, and in between all the points where we weren't talking, we were picking up missile containers and, <laughs> and the like. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like I almost don't have any more wrap-up things to say. Like, I, I this game, I think, is pretty perfect. Um, it does a lot of things that I don't think other games do, and it does them, like, masterfully. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised by how well it held up. Like, it was still very fun to play for me. Like, I liked being taken along on this ride. I liked exploring this area. I liked the actual, like, mechanical bits of it, even. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the sense of power and progression is about as good as it gets. I think. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, one of the one of the bigger triumphs here is pacing, honestly. Um, yeah. You know, the fact that it was writing the rule book as it was kind of going around and doing that, you know, you, you would get the sense that for all that it was doing over and above what Metroid 1 and 2 did, that it would be a little bit rockier, like for how ambitious it was. And the fact that they... You know, just kind of so deftly introduced these things, and again, that kind of like ever-widening circle uh, that you're making around this area and finding things, um, and kind of the delta between where you start and uh, and where you end up in terms in terms of power. I think that they they feed that out on such a measured um, but rewarding uh, pace or schedule that it uh, that, that, that that it can't help but be successful. It's it's the upgrade path is more generous than I remember it being. Mm-hmm. Like you get new power ups and new toys to play with at a pace that it feels to me like it'd be impossible to get sick of. Mm-hmm. Like the you know to get sick of the game or get bored because you're just constantly getting new cool stuff to see, new cool songs to hear, cool enemies to fight, and cool things to do it with. Mm-hmm. At like just it just constantly, yeah. and then the game ends before you know it could get tedious. Yeah, like Meridia is a little <laughs> tedious. Um, there are a couple of like minor points of tedium mm-hmm. in between, but like it's. It is. It is pacing. It's so brisk and so <laughs> compact, in a way that I don't associate with 
Zelda games or Metroid games or Nintendo properties, right? Even like I'm playing through the most recent Mario game on the Wii U and it's really good, but there are some feelings of bloat, yeah. you know, in it. And that's something that like as a company, I feel like they've kind of lost touch with. Like it used yeah. to be this company that I, you know, I felt, you know, there was kind of no fat on their products. And yeah. and now I don't know that that's true. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the right game for the right time, right? Yeah. Because the kind of variety that they put into this game on the SNES, you know, it, it, it probably was really expensive to make back then, but with the way the budgets have kind of blown up, each additional thing would have been so much more expensive. And so you yeah. see stuff where they're, you know, where they're like, there's an economy of trying to get as much as you can without introducing a new mechanic or a new asset or you know, any of those kind of things where it's simultaneously extravagant and stingy. Like I'm reminded of, you know, there was some uh, interview that was done with a, with a, with a Sonic team developer and, and they, they asked like, why don't you guys make a game that's like that? You know, again, why is everything kind of you're you're wandering around and fighting in in arenas? And they say we would like to, but in order to make a game that looks as good as we would need it to look, uh, that was paced like that, it would be too expensive to do that. Yeah, right. And like this, like like when I say this is the right game for the right time, I think there's that balance where they could kind of be experimental with like less overhead needed to actually put this in. Like this is. And, you know, economical and extravagant as opposed to being, you know, stingy and, and extravagant. And it's extravagant in the right ways. Yeah. Yeah. It is another piece of evidence that, like, and this is Grumpy Gary, like, complains about this a lot. But, like, that the, uh, you know, expanding budgets, like, the games game more expensive is, you know, to gaming's detriment yeah. on the whole. Like, the fact that they couldn't, they had to be a little bit more economical and they, they couldn't go quite as far mm-hmm. with it um, helps out a lot. Yeah. And the fact that most of the Metroidvanias or Ikivanias or whatever they are that you see um, are, you know, low budget indies, you know, relatively now, I think. Yeah. I I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah, exactly. Like Cave Story and Axiom Verge and the like, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I'll be interested to see what happens with that blood uh, bloodstained. Mm hmm. Um, Game. We're recording on this. We're we're recording this on the absolute right day. Like that was just announced. (laughs) Yeah, just announced and just made its goal. Like it made like ninety percent of its goal today in like a, a shocking amount of time. Mm-hmm. So um, very very cool. Um, I love this game. I'm really happy I had the the chance to uh, to do it for the show. Me too. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, <clears throat> the, the way that the music uh, works out, you know, this is uh, this is your time to shine, buddy. As far as <laughs> I was... editing, I mean, editing music into episodes. Uh, we're on forty seven markers. Not not just because of the extensive network problems we've had, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, because I'm like I'm dropping in like times for sound effects and stuff. Like yeah. I'm gonna like just get me a six pack and clear me at night because this is gonna be a doozy. Yeah, and uh, and and as as part of that, hopefully um, we'll we'll put it up on the site. And Cole, if you want to put a marker here in case something happens, I don't get mm-hmm. this done, but we'll put up on the site the uh, alternate version of the theme song. Hmm. That I did in case uh, anyone wants to download that. Yeah. So maybe I'll do a backer blog about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that was that. Uh, Gary, do you want to talk about what we're doing next time? Yeah. Um, next time, again, I'm very excited. We're busting off a hundo mm-hmm. and we're doing it with uh, another uh, one of my favorite games, and that's uh, Katamari Damacy. Yeah. So this is a short game. It is it, like it's a, it's a you know a lazy thing to say that something is crazy, but it is crazy and bonkers and off the wall and whatever adjective you want to put for it. And also, it is yeah. readily available. Like you can get yeah. this if you own a PS3, you can get it for like six dollars. Yeah, it is. It is creative. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah, and it is also just like joyous and fun. Yeah. Um, and again, just soundtrack 
soundtrack, soundtrack, <laughs> soundtrack. It's like we are just killing it with soundtracks lately. Yep. So, mm-hmm. very um, excited. After that, we're doing that. a split EP. Uh, between two kind of semi games, uh, the Harvest Moon game for the Super Nintendo, um, mm-hmm. and then uh, we're going to be dipping into uh, Sim City for the SNES. Yeah, so to, uh, Super Nintendo, um, kind of weird Super Nintendo game mm-hmm. uh, thing. On the day that we're recording this is the day that the uh, the Retronauts I did on Slow Life Games mm. came out, which is kind of what these. This is kind of our take on that. Um, in that episode, we didn't talk about Harvest Moon that much because they'd already done an episode on it. Yeah. Um, but that I would consider both these games to be kind of that slow life. Yeah. I mean, maybe not so much SimCity, but Harvest Moon for sure. Def. Um And then and Harvest Moon is super important to me, like the specifically the Super Nintendo version. Mm-hmm. Growing up, like I have a lot of uh, a lot of memories of that being the kind of thing that demarcated me from other kids. That was like, <laughs> why would you want to play a game where you farm? And it's like, why would you not want to play a game that's <laughs> just... not about just shooting stuff? Like. Yeah. You know, don't you see? It's not about killing things. <laughs> uh, just just like, play it. Feel how satisfying it is to, like, clear this brush. Yeah, it, well, and also it's like an economic simulator. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, I'm buying low and selling high. It's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, and this is full disclosure, um, I can't remember if Harvest Moon for Super Nintendo has an ending. Um, <laughs> it might be one of those things where it ends after 100 years or something like that. It, so, en- it ends it, after two and a half years. Okay. So two and a half years is probably, we'll probably get through it. But if something happens and we see everything, same thing with uh, SimCity. SimCity mm-hmm. distinctly doesn't have an end. Like we can try to get a Metropolis mm-hmm. or whatever. But uh, so those games, we're going to talk about them, but they're both kind of weird, endless It's going to be like, like, like we're going to talk about the systems and the interactions and stuff. Yes, more than we actually talk about the plot and everything. So maybe it be kind of weird episodes like our split episodes often are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Gary, what are we doing after that? Um, after that, we're continuing the uh, the summer of Super Nintendo um, and doing uh, one of my favorite games. Again, like it feels like with this new Hondo, it's just like, let's just do good games. Mm-hmm. But we'll we'll have another summer of pain. A couple of people <laughs> have, have called for us to have another summer of shit, <laughs> which, you know, for one, consider why you're wishing that on, on two people you don't know. But also, uh, you know, not so far because we're doing uh, Demon's Crest mm-hmm. for Super Nintendo. Yep. This is the uh, the kind of the follow up to the Gargoyles quest games mm-hmm. uh for the uh, for the game boy but this is in uh full glorious snes graphics um this is a uh a wonderful capcom platformer yeah it's it's beautiful and the 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 uh, gargoyles quest games the game boy ones are really really fun mm-hmm. those are the ones i played most recently i played demon's crest as a, as a lad i haven't revisited it so i'm looking mm-hmm. forward to doing that yeah so, yeah and then we have cool stuff planned yeah. uh after that um so i think it's going to be the, the the summer of sunshine and fun <laughs> not the, the summer of darkness and, and yeah. terror Oh, um, and we got we got a pole brewing. Yeah, we do have we do have a pole, a pole brewing. Um, so so and, it, and it's not what you think. Um, okay. Yeah, guys, it's not what you think. Uh, Why do you turn into Nicholas Cage? Oh, I, I turn into Nixon. <laughs> Nixonless Cage. Yeah, like, that's that was jail during the time during Watergate. A lot of people were upset about the Nixonless Cage. But they wanted to. They wanted to have a, a Nixon full cage. Yeah, it's it's like that protest chant. Put a put a, Nick, put a Nixon in this cage. Yeah. Like, hey hey, oh, oh. hey hey, hey Put a Nixon in this cage. Try HBO Go. Hey hey. Oh. Gary, we've been recording for far yeah, too long. It's true, and we keep having to take breaks because we. This is like. Yeah, it's the summer of technical difficulties at the very least. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so again, just like we said at the episode, the top of the episode, um, we're not going to fill this with administrative stuff because the people who are listening to this already are doing all the nice stuff mm-hmm. for us. Um, but so thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Um, do you want to do some specific thanks? Like I wrote this stuff down, but yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, so the usual stuff that we usually say, the uh, you know anybody who listens uh, supports us monetarily. That is something huge that has happened over the over the course of the run of the show. Um, you know, over the past couple of years through Kickstarter um, and then through Patreon um, and continuing into the future, like. <laughs> we're able to make the kind of show that we want to make because of your generosity, um, you know, in, uh, monetarily and because of your, you know, willingness to kind of tell people about us. Yeah. There's something like at some point I'm going to write a, a backer blog about that too, about like independence mm -hmm. in the show, because the, this show has managed to gain um, a respectable audience without having backing from anything, mm -hmm. which is very rare in the world of video game podcasts. Yeah. Like, and, and that independence allows us to, you know, say things and do things that, you know, every once in a while, somebody takes issue with it, but I wouldn't, it's really nice for me. Like mm -hmm. I like being able to, you know, say what I want and, and, and do what I want. And we get to choose the games that we want. And all those things are really, really great. Yeah. Um, like early on in the show, um, and this might be some episode 100 exclusive trivia. I can't remember if I ever <laughs> talked about this. Um, I tried pretty hard to uh, get in touch with good old games Yep. and, and hitch our wagon to them because they didn't have a podcast. And I thought, Oh, this would be really great. Like, you know, we'll just get, like, I love old PC games. We'll do games from the site mm -hmm. and get people into it. And in retros, like, at the time, I really wanted that. Yeah. And now, in retrospect, I'm kind of glad it didn't happen. Yeah. Because it's allowed us to kind of make this, you know, its own thing as opposed to being, you know, beholden to, yeah. to, to our masters at CD project. <laughs> yeah. um, so. and, and now for our six-part episode about The Witcher. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Here, here's four months on The Witcher. <laughs> Guess what? You collect reagents for the first 10 hours. A lot of people have requested no The Witcher. three times for some reason. Yep. I, I keep bouncing off it so hard. Like, yeah. I'm, it seems like something I would like. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so so thanks. You know that independence is really important. Yeah, we, and uh, it's because you guys. We, we do not want to be subsidiary to anyone. We want to uh, have a direct line. We want to have other people subsidiary to us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, not really. Um, some more specifics. Who else can we, we thank? Who's great? Yeah. So kind of two big boosts that we got early on and just kind of throughout this uh, are from like our really solid pod bros, uh, Zach Johnson and Bob Mackey. Um, you yeah. know, from video games, hot dog and, uh, retronauts, uh, respectively, um, on a personal note, it's been awesome to get to know those guys and have them on the show and everything. But, you know, a, a tremendous amount of our audience has come, you know, by way of them. Yeah. Like it's very nice for people who we respect, who, um, are very talented and successful to be evangelical mm -hmm. about us. That's very flattering. Um, and it also, because I know those dudes, it feels, uh, you know, it's genuine. Mm -hmm. You know, and then we do the same thing and it's also genuine and not to turn this into a, just like a how box circle jerk, but like, <laughs> it feels good to like, just genuinely appreciate people and have them genuinely appreciate you. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> this might be a crazy thing to say. Let me go out on a limb here. Yeah. But like but fe feeling like you're part of a business owners are a scourge of America. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, that is a limb. <laughs> Gary, we're a small business. <laughs> Eliminate Mother's Day. Let me just go. It might not be the most popular thing I ever said, but. Mothers and small business owners are the two worst things of America. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I don't actually think that's true. <laughs> no, no. But, but, um, but no, it's, it's, it's awesome to, you know, feel a kinship and a peer, you know, a, a sense of peership and uh, like a small community. Like I feel incredibly fortunate yeah. for that and uh, the, the boost that that has provided. Um, in addition to, you know, like other pod bros that we have who I'm going to feel bad if I don't, you know, say all of them, but I kind of can't. But like, you know, Murph and you know Jala yeah. and Tyler and all Murph, those people. Like the, the short game guys. Yeah. 
who uh, who had us on their show, mm-hmm. um, uh, which, game, which was really cool. Game history one hundred and one, like those guys, like yeah, yeah. It's it's you know it's just really awesome. Like it, it feels good, and and it is also uh, again like I don't need to keep saying it. It's nice to appreciate someone's work and have them <laughs> appreciate your work in return. Yeah. Um, also, you know, and and this is if we omitted anybody who's who's written about us or, or done anything to help us out. Um, you know, we apologize. It's not a it's not a crime of of malice or anything mm-hmm. um individuals too like there are a lot of individual people who have just been like real stalwart fans mm-hmm. um we mentioned uh, allison at the top of the show but she's done awesome stuff for us time and time again mm-hmm. um donated her time and talent and uh and that's that's really excellent yeah and then just kind of a, a series of just like you know even you know people who don't who are just been evangelical mm-hmm. uh and also just like really supportive like your brian wades mm-hmm. and, and your sam bears and your you know um that's really appreciated too like seeing the kind of same names pop up Mm-hmm. again and again it's really comforting and it's fun to get to know people and make legitimate friendships yeah. um through uh through the show yeah uh some of those are people who backed at a level that they got to guest host on a show and like unanimously unanimously all those people have been amazing yeah how did that how did we not get like a weirdo <laughs> yeah who just every time somebody has paid money to appear on the show with us they have been awesome <laughs> yep. and the episode goes well and they fit in really well it's never been weird <laughs> like that's you know it's just like expecting somebody to just be like you know phantasmagoria too <laughs> shovel the dirt the shovel the dirt yeah <laughs> shovel the dirt show the scene again yeah. you know like and we we never got any weirdos like that like yeah. it's everyone just picked good games and fit in really well um, which is awesome it's almost like our fans are amazing yeah really I mean not to just be one of those people just s the d's of the fans but mm-hmm. here we are um, also we should point out um, people like. Uh, developers and the like who have been really generous with their with their time. Like we we have more guests on Bonfireside Chat, obviously, mm-hmm. but um, you know specifically Ron Gilbert and Chris Avalone who have been on the show a couple <laughs> like times. Two each. fucking heroes, like yeah, exactly. Like two of my favorite favorite game designers of all time. Um, who like and I, I don't want to undersell because I, I tend to do the guest stuff for mm-hmm. these shows. I'm not trying to undersell myself too much, but there's no trick. It's just they're really nice guys who are passionate about what they do. Mm-hmm. So I just say, hey, do you want to come talk to us about Alpha Protocol? And Chris is like, yeah, I never get to talk about Alpha Protocol. Like, you know, nobody nobody likes that game. I'm like, <laughs> listen, buddy, don't you badmouth Alpha Protocol. I like it. <laughs> and then it's just like the world's greatest sweetheart once mm-hmm. we get him on. Yeah. Um, you know, so that that's that's huge. And just also like what a cool thing to be able to say that, you know, I was able to do, mm-hmm. you know, we were able to do. We were able, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, mean, I wasn't trying to omit you to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I like you, those guys we, too. Cole actually didn't talk to those guys. He, he we just put him in and post. Yeah, it was fully. Um, I, I, I just have I just have a soundboard that says "Cycle of Samsara" and I just pressed it every fifteen seconds, <laughs> yeah. and that's that's what did I? No, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then finally, um, so you know, other people in the network. Yeah. Are, are are really great. Like they you know, the level guys have all been, you know, supportive and, and great and are also nice. And uh and Chris Ross, who I'm very fond of. <laughs> and then uh specifically uh Nick Lauber and Brayden Cameron, who have helped us out at live events yeah. in the past and the future and made those kind of doable. Like the uh there's a marked difference um of our live shows when we have those guys there versus mm-hmm. when we don't. Yeah. Um it just takes a lot of pressure off and uh they're just delightful to be around. Yeah. I, you know, and that's not everybody, but that's everybody no. that I could think of when I made the notes. Oh. Like I said it at the uh, beginning. I, Good. I'm going to throw a quick uh, shout out to the uh, Something Awful podcast thread. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, those guys. Was, though that's been instrumental. <laughs> yes, also, I imagine is. that like pound for pound, that's probably 
you know, driven a lot, you know, as much traffic as anything mm -hmm. to us and got enough people to, to check us out. And even though like every once in a while, you know, the, every, like people aren't super kind on there. Like for the most part, they've been very kind to us. Yeah. And uh, it's been nice to, to talk to people on there. Yeah. Like pretty and, much for uh, the entire like, run of the show. Yeah. Yeah. So very, very cool. Mm -hmm. So we can't possibly thank everybody. Um, I'm not going to turn this into an Oscar speech or anything, but I will repeat what I said at the beginning. The show has been a tremendous force of good <laughs> in my life. And, uh, I, Gary, I don't want to put words into your mouth, but I suspect you feel the same. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, uh, so I wouldn't have it any other way. I really, you know, I really appreciate it, everybody. Yeah. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, we'll stick around for another hundred episodes, mm -hmm. um, with the traditional caveat of if we don't die <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and you, you can stick around for episode 200, <laughs> which we do like dead or alive beach volleyball. <laughs> so. <laughs> cool. um, until until next time what should they uh, what should they watch out for uh lava acid i guess or you know good feelings from heart heartfelt thanks that we are sending your way yeah watch out for our mushy hug box <laughs> good night mm -hmm.